Welcome back. Episode 17 of the Split the Scene podcast. And uh, we're going to be throwing it back to a couple earlier episodes because we're finally going to start off again with baseball talk. Uh, it's been, God, it's been like eight weeks. It's got to be been like eight weeks, right? Maybe two months since we've opened with baseball, I think. Something I, around that. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Other than the Steve Cohen little one minute thing that we gave to, to Josh, but I mean, I that's not really baseball. That's yeah, a Mets no. owner. Yeah, that's that's Josh being Josh. I wouldn't. Even no, know. it's not. It's not even that. That, that was big I, news. Yeah, I know, but it, it was, yeah, but you know what I mean. It wasn't like a segment. Now we we do kind of have a segment. This is the first offseason talk, and uh, boy, have we had a lot in the in the gap between the two episodes, and it's all about them pods. I'm just gonna let Dom take take the reins here because I know he's got a lot to say. He's probably already said, but go ahead, Dom, run run with it, run with your pods here. Yes, I have said it in other places, but the Padres have gone out. And in the span of 24 hours, they traded for Blake Snell. They signed Korean infielder Ha Sung Kim. And they also traded for Yu Darvish from the Chicago Cubs. Absolutely electric 24 hours from a Padres fan. And the rotation is now all of a sudden one of the best in the MLB. And the thing I like about it is the fact that, you know, the Padres rotation was pretty solid throughout the 2020 season, but come playoff times, it's depleted. The top two pitchers were injured. And the pitching staff just got shelled in the playoffs. And bringing in guys like this without really giving up any arms that were on the pitching staff at the time, with the exception of Zach Davies and Luis Patino, who'd never had a big role in the team, the pitching rotation is all of a sudden much more stout going into the 2020 season. I love it. Gave up a ton of prospect capital, but that's fine because the Potters are in win-now mode. Probably the second best team in all of baseball at this point, and I love it. Yeah, awesome stuff, Josh. I saw you you, you shaking your head a bit at the, at the number it's, two spot. Uh, you, you it, it's just hard to say like a statement like that when there's so many dominoes left to fall in the off season. Like, are they the second best team in baseball right now? They could be. It also just does not matter because this team is not going to ever play baseball. There's still more additions to be made, and there's still a lot more additions to be made for all these other teams. I think it's a great move for the Padres, these series of moves, and I think it's going to be really great for them this season. But again, it's just hard to evaluate these moves and to say how well the Padres are going to do without seeing what the teams around them do, without seeing what other moves they make with this roster, and just to see how these other dominoes in the offseason fall. I think something we can, I think we all could say without a doubt is uh, on this podcast, the one and two teams, regardless of who they are, of the are of the entire MLB, we both think they're NL teams, correct? We don't think yeah. they're, I, I would not put an AL team above. No, because I mean, a healthy Yankees, the, but that doesn't exist. No, and not even, not even, not even, not even healthy look, Yankees. look, who's their rotation right now? It's Garrett Cole and DV Garcia. They lost Hap, they lost Paxson, and they lost. Uh, LeMahieu to go along with that as well. And Tanaka's LeMahieu's gone. He was going to resign. LeMahieu's we don't gone. know that. We don't know that. You're you're assuming everything. Right now, the Padres are significantly Again, this is why it's hard to evaluate any of this until the rest of the dominoes of the offseason fall. Even if they you're, get LeMahieu, I wouldn't, have put, I wouldn't put them in front of the Braves or the Padres right now, to be honest with you. No, yeah. The, the Braves and the Padres, as they're constructed right now, are better than the Yankees. We'll cross that road when we get there once those teams make their moves. But... The fact is, they have it. And same with the Dodgers. And, you know, Dodgers right now have gotten worse this offseason from where they were last year. The Padres 
have gotten better. We finished, what, six or seven games behind them in the regular season last year. Would have been more if there was a 162 full game season. I'm not an idiot. I know that. Uh, but uh, yeah, yes, Josh. Yes, they were a better team last year. No, Very I'm saying you are an idiot, but you do know that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I can get on board with that. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a blind biased Padres fan. How about that? Uh, so I mean, you, you could say, well, the offseason still hasn't uh, hasn't ended. We've seen nothing. We've seen nothing from the Yankees or the Dodgers to uh, to say they're going to go out and make a big splash this offseason. So once that happens, we'll re we'll we'll reassess things. But as of now, Padres are the second best or the third best, uh, depending on where you want to stack them up with the Braves. Best team in baseball. Yeah. It's One like- thing I do want to say about this move, though, that I really do love is not just in baseball, but really in any sport. I'm a firm believer of the fact that when you're building a team, if you're trying to win a championship, you don't necessarily need to build the team to be the best team in the league, but you need to build a team that is able to defeat your strongest competition. And it's no arguing the fact that the Dodgers are the Padres' strongest competition. And we know that Blake Snell is able to pick well against the Dodgers, which is something I really do love about this. They're getting a guy who they know can beat the guys who they need to beat. Yep. That's definitely a good thing. I do want to wrap back to the Padres though. Cause Dom, I want to talk to you about this. Cause the craziest part about the Padres is you, you know, a crap ton of these prospects got given up for these guys, which, you know, arguably had to happen. You're talking to you Darvish and Blake Snell. The craziest thing to me though, is, you guys didn't even give up an arguable top 10 prospect in your farm system. I mean, we, we talk about guys like Gore, you know, it's, it's, I wanted, I wanted you to comment on that and how the farm system is still pretty, a pretty good farm system in MLB terms after these trades. Yeah. I mean, the Potter's farm system as it stands right now is probably a top 10 farm system in all of baseball, but where it stands at the moment is it's now a top heavy farm system. You mentioned the guys like Gore Abrams, Campusano, Ryan Weathers. Those are the big names in this farm system. The depth of this farm system, which I would say would have, was the strength, despite those names that we just mentioned, those guys all being in the top 100 MLB prospects overall, was the depth. And the four guys that went over to the Cubs, uh, the prospects at least, in addition to Zach Davies, they're all very young, talented players who basically all were yet to play any professional baseball. And there were a lot of players like that within the Potter system because they've gone out and they've signed players in the international signing times, which the Potters will do once again this year. And they'll have another great international class. And that's going to help out the farm system again, because that's how the Potters have built this team in this farm system. So yes, the Potters farm system is still in a good spot, but the depth of the farm system is now no longer the strength. They're now relying on that, that class of the farm system the guys at the top who will soon no longer be in the farm system. So top 10 for now, we'll see if that holds up, but the potters have proven over and over again, they're going to keep getting these guys and the farm system will still be in a good spot. All right. Definitely. And the last thing I want to go, I, just, I know it's starting start to sound like uh, the listeners is all Padres podcast, but really the Padres since the last podcast, I've been the ones really doing everything out here. The last thing I want to ask you guys, uh, uh, Josh, I, I'm going to go to you here first. Cause we went to Dom, you know, with, 
the addition of these guys, Darvish and Snell. I'm curious how you think not only this year is going to go for the Padres pitching staff, but the future with how, because they're running out of spots to fit these pitchers. I mean, you got a guy like Gore, you still have Chris Paddock over there. Where are they going to plug, you know, healthy Lamette, you know, Clevenger's re-signed as well. Where, how do you think this rotation is going to pan out in the future with all these guys? Because they, they, have too, they have too many people for five spots of a rotation. So what are you thinking there with well, the future of the rotation? Yeah, they do have too many people in the rotation right now, but that's never necessarily a bad thing. If you got six great starting pitchers, that can't hurt you. Maybe you can trade one. Maybe you can have a six-man rotation and make sure none of these guys get injured. Just keep them a little rested, get them everyone, keep everyone fresh for the playoffs because that's when the Padres want to be at their best. But I do think Chris Paddock is going to be the odd man out in this situation. I've been saying for years that I don't think Chris Paddock is that fantastic. And I've always been a huge Mackenzie Gore fan. I think he's going to show this year what he's capable of. And I see Chris Paddock being the odd man out. Potentially, if he's having a somewhat good year early in the first half of 2021, I could see him being someone the Padres move. If Gore is also pitching well to maybe fill a need that they have somewhere as they're trying to make a playoff push, that wouldn't be something that shocks me too much. I think they're waiting for the right time on Paddock, hopefully. But I don't see Paddock in San Diego for too long which I know is something that Dom won't be very happy with, but feels inevitable to me. Yeah. I I'm, it's nothing new to me to have my favorite Padres being traded away from the team. So it wouldn't be something that I haven't experienced before, but I mean, with Chris Paddock, people forget he was so good in 2019. He was very good for the first month of the last season had like a two, eight ERA. And then things just went pretty much straight downhill with a couple of good starts sprinkled in there every once in a while. So I still believe in him. Uh, he just needs to work on that fastball location a little bit more, which is something that he really thrived with in 2019. So we know it's there, but he, he definitely has some work to do. Otherwise, he could be traded or moved to a bullpen role, which I wouldn't be shocked to see that at all this year. All right. So then, Dom, I do want to do this one fun thing with you since, you know, Padres keep picking your brain about this. I want you, if you could, it's it's early for one of these things, but if you could off the top of your brain line up your your five pitchers for, you know, 2021, and then maybe show us how different it might look in your mind in 2022. Do you think you might be able to do that for us? Like maybe show the differences with all these pitchers? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the rotation for 2021 is pretty set in stone at this point. It's going to be at the top, Blake Stone, you Darvish, they just went on and acquired. Denelson Levent in a limited role because he is still coming off an injury. Uh, came off the injury of Tommy John surgery in 2019, had a, shortened season in 2020 that also included an injury in his final start of the year, which was really unfortunate because the Padres were just trying to give him a tune up. Uh, they said he wasn't going to go more than five innings. And then it was either the fourth or the fifth inning that he got hurt in. So that, that, that one really sucked. I think Chris Paddock's going to be in the rotation at the beginning of 2021. He's proven plenty of times throughout his short tenure in the San Diego Padres that he is a capable starting pitcher. Uh, hopefully he's fixing some stuff in the off season adding possibly a third off-speed pitch or just a pitch to complement his fastball and changeup, which he showed in 2019, it can be capable in the MLB. And then the fifth spot, it either belongs to Mackenzie Gore, Joey Lucchese, or Adrian Morajon. Uh, those are all three talented left-handed arms. All three of them pitch very differently. Uh, Morajon's more of a power arm. Lucchese's more of a finesse arm. And Gore is just a guy right in the middle, can power you, and he can get you out with off-speed pitches. So 
I, I like I like this rotation going into 2021. I also think the Potters have the possibility of going out and signing just a veteran arm to go out and eat some innings. Uh, I think a, a name that would kind of be an interesting fit would be Chris Archer, given the fact that the Potters have, you know, the Gama Snell, the Gama fan, maybe reuniting those three guys could be an interesting thing in Tampa Bay. Someone along that line to, to just eat some innings because you don't necessarily want to throw these prospects into the fire. Ryan Weathers could also compete for a rotation spot. Uh, and then for 2022, like Josh mentioned, I'm not sure Chris Paddock has a rotation spot going forward with guys that I just mentioned. Uh, Joey Lucchese, I imagine, won't have any role with the Padres after that because he will have been in the major league for three years now. And after that, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. You can non-tender him or you could trade him. Uh, you'd still have Snell. You still have Darvish. still have Lamette, who I assume would be doing better. Clevenger comes back midway through the year. Uh, you know, Paddock probably in the bullpen along with Gore. And I guess that Ryan Weathers would have that bullpen spot. I'm not high on Marejon as a starter. As a reliever, I think he can be one of the best relievers, especially left-handed relievers in all of baseball. I think that's where the Potters rotation stands. Also a possibility of Reggie Lawson coming back in 2021, 2022. He's a prospect I'm very high on. Had a great spring training before um, tearing his UCL and needing Tommy John surgery. His first Tommy John surgery, important to note, Potters pitchers have done pretty well coming back off Tommy John their first time around. Seeing Chris Paddock, we saw Denelson Lament this past year, a couple of other names in there as well. So that, that, that that's my outlook for the Padres rotation over the next couple of years. And then 2023, still got Darvish and Snell along with all those other guys. Future is yeah, I love the fine. idea of Chris Archer. I haven't quite thought about that, but especially with Lamed coming off of the injury, getting a guy who can just eat those innings and you know who isn't terrible and has been somewhat good at the MLB level. I think getting someone like that fairly cheap, maybe on a deal similar to what the Padres gave Garrett Richards a couple of years back, I think that would be a very good signing for the Padres. Well, Garrett Richards wasn't cheap. And I, I'm not a huge Chris Archer fan. He wasn't think- cheap, but he wasn't breaking the bank by any means. It was what, two for 15 or something like that? Yeah, and he only pitched like four starts in the first year. So it was basically one year for 15. And he, he did fine. It wasn't the problem. I'm not a huge Archer fan, but I think he could fill the role of being the guy who just eats innings. And I think that's fine. Future, regardless, is definitely bright for the Padres. The last thing I want to do here, baseball, is uh, I'm going to throw this to you, Josh, since we had Dom ramble on there. Uh, we Dom put in the chat those MLB rumors. I kind of want you to just talk about them for a second. The two big ones that we saw and that uh, just came out today. Uh, you got Trevor Bowers asking price and George Springer and the Mets. I just want to get you to comment on both those. What What's running through your head after reading about those two? Yeah, so George Springer, I think, will eventually end up in New York Met. I think Steve Cohen's going to figure that one out. And eventually he'll be playing in Queens. But I think we could be a little further away from seeing that when we had hoped. I think earlier in December, we were hearing reports. I think it was Buster only who said he was like willing to bet the family farm on Springer coming to the Mets in the coming days. Clearly, that hasn't happened. I still think we're going to get there eventually. It's just taking a little bit longer. The second one was Bowers expecting $40 million a year. That's unbelievable. No one paid Trevor Bauer $40 million a year. He's a very good pitcher. Garrett Cole got 36. There's no way Trevor Bauer should get 40. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree at $40 million. That's a crazy asking price. Don, I'm, I'm, are you, are you in agreement here with that $40 million for Trevor Bauer a, a year? I, I think that's a little nuts, especially considering he's, basing his success off of one 
good season in a 60-game season. When outside of that, he hasn't been the greatest pitcher in the world. Still a pitcher I would love to have. It's not realistic for the Padres at this point, given what they just did. But, you know, if you're a team that needs pitching, power certainly an arm that you'd love to have. He's, a reasonable deal for him is probably right around the 28 to $30 million range. I think, you know, it's good negotiating to start high and then come down and meet where a team wants you to meet. So I, I don't blame him for doing this. It's also John Heyman that reported it, and uh, he's uh, had a track record of not necessarily getting all the facts right. Uh, we'll call him Drunk John, and it's kind of funny. But uh, I think that number's a bit high, and I agree. George Springer will end up a Met. It seems like a perfect fit. He's from Connecticut. I uh, grew up in the Northeast. The Mets need a center fielder. I've said it before on other podcasts that – you can put Nimmo in left, you put Conforto in right, you put Springer in center. All of a sudden, that's a nasty outfield, uh, an outfield that I, I love. So I think it makes sense. And Steve Cohen, you know, once again, you know, the lower you can start, it's better for your team. And then he'll meet Springer somewhere in the middle of where he wants to be. Springer's not young, by the way. Yep. That's definitely true. Just something to have note, but uh, that basically wraps up the baseball talk. He was mostly Padres. Uh, we do have a very exciting and full slate of NFL talk about. We're gonna jump uh, right into it. I mean, where there's a couple of games for sure. The guys that we can definitely pick out from last week, week 16. The playoff picture is more. You know, we understand it more. We'll definitely. I'll definitely get more into it once we get to make our picks. But. Josh, I'm going to go right to you first. What What is your week 16 game that you had your eye on? Uh, I'm going to start with my big winner here, my $5 winner over Mr. Dominic Stern here. I'm going to go with my Seahawks because this defense is not just no longer a liability. This might be a top 10 defense in football right now. I mean, Seattle's playing lights out on the defensive end. They gave up nine points to a Rams offense that, yes, I've been insanely critical of all year, but this is a well-coached offense in Sean McVay and they didn't even let him get in the end zone. I mean, it's insane to think that Seattle's defense was such a liability early on in the year. And now they're single-handedly winning them football games. I mean, if Russell Wilson, he was 20 of 32 for 225 and a touchdown, he certainly didn't have a bad game. It's not the Russell Wilson we're used to seeing every day, but if Russell Wilson can figure it out and start to play like, the Russell Wilson we saw early on in the season with the defense playing like this, Seattle will win the Super Bowl easily. It's just a question of if Russell is going to get back to his form. But I'm really, really happy with what I'm seeing out of Seattle right now. On the other side of the coin with the Rams, of course, the story out of this one is Jared Goff's thumb. He was throwing a pass and his arm came down and he hit his thumb on the helmet of, I believe it was Benson Mayoa of Seattle. And he will be out this week against the Arizona Cardinals and the Rams need a win or a bears loss to clinch a playoff berth. And that's not a guarantee by any means. So Dom's going to have to be a little bit stressed out this Sunday to hope that his Rams make the playoffs. And the Seahawks are sitting here with their t-shirt and hat comfortable looking for the postseason. Yep. That was definitely a game Dom and I got wrong. Uh, the golf injuries certainly didn't help things. Uh, Dom, of course, you got to comment on the game. It was a big topic last week. So what do you got to say about that NFC West battle? Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks came out of this, played a better game than the Rams at just about every level. The Rams defense limited Russell Wilson once again. Russell Wilson was able to put together two good drives, then ended up resulting in touchdowns. And that was the difference in the game because 
the Rams, they outgained the Seattle Seahawks. I thought the offense performed decently well until they crossed Seahawks territory and it's kind of collapsed. Jamal Adams made a game saving tackle uh, at the, at the one yard line, because if he doesn't make that tackle, not only do the Rams score a touchdown there, but Daryl Henderson's not going to get hurt. And once Daryl Henderson went out, the run game just completely collapsed because Malcolm Brown is got like a four, eight 40. Uh, and I mean, the, the, the Rams, the Rams running attack opens up the passing game. I don't think that is a hot take at all. I mean, if you watch the Rams offense, it's zone run play action, get golf open in space. He can make some throws and that's where the Rams offense thrives. And they weren't able to do that at all. And that goes credit to the Seattle defense. They manhandled the Rams offensive line, which hasn't played well in recent weeks. The play calling has been a bit off. The Rams aren't throwing the ball downfield, which we remember opened up the play calling and opened up the field for Goff to hit woods and cup going down in the middle. That just wasn't there. I personally think Goff played a bad game per se. He wasn't good. It wasn't good, but I don't think you've had a bad game and he got hurt. And then at that point, you know, you can't really fault him for anything he does. And I think Josh will agree with me on that point. You know, once he got hurt in the thumb, he basically couldn't grip the football. And then everything at that point happens. But I mean, the Rams, are sure, I, I thought he was bad before he hurt his thumb, but yes, I, I didn't think it was that bad, but I mean, I'll be the first to criticize Goff when he has his struggles. Uh, but it, like I said, the Rams live and die by the success of Jared that was Goff. What, like mid third quarter, he hit the thumb. Yeah, and after that, the offense just collapsed. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I mean they the, didn't they, they didn't look fantastic before he hit the thumb, but well, I mean they had two they had two drives inside the Seahawks thirty. One ended on the Jared Goff interception, which was the worst play of his career, and then the uh, the goal line the goal line stand. I, I I mentioned it, and then the goal line stand. Uh-huh with the Jamal Adams tackle. And then at that point, Malcolm Brown was the running back and the Seahawks defense stood up to the task. Like I said, the Seahawks deserve a ton of uh, praise for this game. Like you mentioned, Josh, right now, if you're ranking defenses, you can't name 10 better defenses than them. The Rams defense is better, but like I said, the, the Seahawks are so much better at the quarterbacking position than the Rams that it, it gives them a much better chance to win happens. The Rams now got to win with John Wolford at quarterback against a little bit banged up of Kyler Murray. Yeah, I do. I do quickly before we move on, I want to shout out uh, Jared Goff because uh, takes, I certainly couldn't uh, dislocate my thumb and pop it back in and decide to go back in the game. So you got to give props to the guy for going back in after breaking your thumb and then readjusting it and then going back in and trying to play football. A lot of respect for him there. A lot of respect for him there. Yeah, so I definitely want to shout that out because that is no simple feat. Uh, but anyways, I'm going to move on to my game of the week here uh, because this was also another hot topic game, another playoff game that I want to talk about. The Steelers beat the Colts last Sunday, and it came completely out of nowhere. I mean, this game was all in exactly the way we all thought it was going to go. The Colts offense was moving on all cylinders. Their defense was shutting down another Steelers team that didn't want to run the ball at any point during the game. You go, it's the third quarter. It's it's 10 minutes into the third quarter, and the Colts go up 24 to 7. And where everyone's sitting back and going, All right, this is this is exactly what we thought, at least for us three, this is exactly what we thought would happen. And the game somehow goes on, and the Steelers rattle off three straight touchdowns in a span of, you know, uh like not in a span of 10 or or sorry, 
about 20 minutes because their last touchdown was a uh, five minute mark in the fourth quarter and they're all passing touchdowns. Big Ben decided to, you know, drop seven years worth of NFL wear and tear and just turn into the big Ben that could sling the ball wherever he wants and throw three straight touchdowns and put them up 28, 24. And then the Steelers defense, like we, like we, like Dom is nose time and time again, forces an interception out of Phillip rivers late in a game that matters a lot to end the game for them. And they lose up in Heinz field. And it, it was a shocker. I mean, the game script was going exactly the way we thought it would. And, and, you know, I thought, you know, looking from an outside perspective, oh, they won the game because they just ran the ball. It was a close game. And they run the ball. They finally did what I've been telling them to do. No, they did. They kept their stingy ideals and they won the game because Big Ben pulled something out of his butt. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Colts, Colts, this is a devastating loss because now you might not even be in the postseason, depending on some of these outcomes. We'll get into them and later. And uh, the Steelers now. Uh, have solidified themselves. They won't be a wild card team. They also, this was a shirt and hat game. Uh, Juju decided to throw out a TikTok after the game of uh, everyone in their shirts and hats. But yeah, I'm curious what you guys are thinking from this game because I, I'm sure we all thought the Colts would win this, especially in the third quarter. And now we're here. It's a lot easier to win a game when you're playing 18 versus 11 than when you're playing 11 versus 11. There were four or five pass interference calls that were totally botched in favor of the Steelers in this game. And you got to have credit. I thought Big Ben had a fantastic half of football in the second half of this game. I want to get that out of the way. But there were some just awful pass interference calls, and none could be other than the missed one on Chase Claypool. And the the great play by Claypool, by the way, because even if this penalty is called, uh, it's a game-saving interception. Because at this point, I think they were still – they were definitely still down – uh, it was either down one scores or two scores, but it was down. they were down 24, 21 when this happened. Yeah. The defender was making a break on the ball. He was going to pick it. It was going to be a pick six. I mean, assuming that he catches the ball and Claypool six out his arm, you know, it's going to be pass interference and the, the, no one had a problem with that. It, but the ref just totally missed it. There were two guys right there that saw Claypool stick out his arm. Didn't even bother to throw a flag. And then the Steelers ended up uh, completing the drive and scoring the game winning touchdown. It was it was hard to watch, and I mean the the only quarterback that could be ten and five at this point and out of the playoff picture is Philip Rivers. I thought he had a pretty solid game. I mean he had that one deep interception that was his fault. I mean that was just a dumb throw. And he was going up against the Steelers without his two tackles, and he still had a good offensive fight. I think the Colts are better than the Steelers at this point, but you gotta have props to the Steelers. They were down. They lost three straight. And they came out and they came out firing, got a lot of help from the refs, but uh, they're, they're now division winners and they, they've proved me wrong this year multiple times. Yeah, that's, that's really the one that stands out to me is it felt like they were playing 11 on 18 this entire game, like especially in that second half, it really felt like 11 on 18. And I really feel like non-New England Patriots category, I don't think I've ever watched a, fo- a football game in my life that felt more fixed than this one. Like it just felt like the refs were really trying to give this game to the Steelers. And I, I hate to be that guy who says the NFL's rigged. This game was fixed. The Steelers won because they were getting every call, but that's really what it felt like at the end of this game. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting game. Definitely had to highlight it. Uh, but yeah, the Steelers are division winners. They're not going to be a wild card team. Uh, they get a home game. They get a home playoff game here, but uh, yeah, that's my game of the week. 
Dom, what game were you uh were you looking at this week that you wanted to talk about? I was planning on that being my game of the week, but I'll still I'll still pick another game. I'll talk about the game on Saturday night, the Miami Dolphins versus Las Vegas Raiders game. Absolute thriller. This game is what we would call trunk because this game was nuts. Very low-scoring game going into the fourth quarter. Still was a low-scoring game. And Tua was averaging under four yards per attempt. The Dolphins need to unleash the the, the leash. I mean, it, it's just it's it's hard to watch because I mean, we saw Tua play at Alabama. We've plenty capable of making throws down the field. They, they just aren't letting him do anything. And then they put him Fitzmagic and Fitzmagic, doom, 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 down the field. It's completing passes, making it look easy. Where's that with Tua on the field? I, I think Tua's plenty capable of that, but right now Fitzmagic's their, their answer at quarterback, and they're, they're still going to roll Tua against the Bills in Week 17, and that might cost them a playoff spot. As for the Raiders, defense is an absolute dumpster fire. You can fire your defensive coordinator all you want. Your players still suck. Uh, their drafts have missed several times, and, I mean, it, it's hard to watch because, I mean, the offense put themselves in a very good chance to win this game, despite not even converting a third down. And I mean, the Hail Mary was bad. The dump down that somehow Miles Gaskin ran down the sidelines for a touchdown was bad. It was just a tough game to watch in general. And the missed extra point. All the Raiders do is hurt themselves. That ever since the Chargers were eliminated from the playoffs, the Raiders have become the Chargers. Uh, and it's tough to watch because I think this team has certainly got enough talent to be in the playoffs. But there's a very solid chance they finish under 500 this year. Yeah, I mean that game was definitely a thriller. Look, this is a, we talked about this before. I talked about this like a couple episodes ago with like the Carolina Panthers when they lost to the Vikings, choosing a field goal with like time conservation at the end of a game to try and trust their defense. And I'm just tired of NFL teams doing this. The Raiders did it too. They're like, oh, we'll just run down the clock and give them no time, but, you know, keep the game close, be close at, in their reach by only kicking a field goal and sitting down in front of the goal. Like this was the worst one. Jacobs literally could have scored the touchdown. He, he, he had the goal line in front of him and he sat down. I, I cannot believe he did that. I don't know. You, the Raiders win that game. I don't agree with you at all. You don't, don't agree with me at all? With you at all. No, I think especially, I don't know if you heard what John Gruden said after the game, he was immediately asked about that decision. And he said, you know what? I had the thought in my head of a couple of weeks back when we were playing Kansas city and we scored right away and we gave them the ball back with a minute left up four and Patrick just walked right down the field and killed us. And we wanted to make sure that Fitzpatrick had no time on the clock or as little time as possible to make sure that that didn't happen again. They gave him 20 seconds left on the clock down two points and Fitzpatrick made maybe the best throw I've seen in my entire life. And they just lost on an incredible play. Look, my, my logic here is like, I'm not saying score immediately. Like I'm not saying play the drive. Like there's no clock, but you get down to third and goal. They, you know, you give them 30 extra seconds, just score the six points. It puts it more out of reach Look, from a score standpoint. At the end of the day, we can have this argument all we want either way, whether you're up six points with a minute and 20 seconds left, or you're up two points with 20 seconds left. You got to win the game. It doesn't matter what you do. You should win either way. I, I, I just, I just think that regardless of what the time was on that clock, that defense was going to be questionable to begin with. I, I just, I just, I punched that ball in. 
on third and goal w- without a doubt. I don't know. I guess Dom, yeah, you, no. you'd be deciding, though. do you think you punch the ball in there? Or would you, do you think they did you, the right thing? You, you get it down the third and goal and then you go for an attempt at the end. So being the ball was stupid. Cause if you score that touchdown, all of a sudden now you force them to go those extra yards in those 40 seconds, you saving 40 seconds for a touchdown is a great, is a great trade-off. And I mean, it, it backfired. Cause I mean, even if that happens, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They still tackled the dude in bounds, and yeah. so when they tackled him, I mean the clock's already running. So you, then you force him well, to go another forty. You're talking about tackled him in bounds on the big Miami pass. Yeah. Well, that didn't it, it matter. It didn't matter if they penalty. tackled him in bounds or not because of the penalty stopping the clock. You're right. Anyways, uh, so my argument is there from. from I think he point. was out of bounds though, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because like there, where were they? They were like they got up to the thirty-five. They had to kick a field goal to win, and instead you would be passing a touch. You'd have to throw a touchdown in the end zone. To, to yeah, because the the extra forty yards they would have needed, all of a sudden with that forty extra seconds and no timeout, you, you're forcing them to go that distance. So you you should have tried to get a touchdown on third down. I I agree with Leo on that stand. Yeah, which which you know they if you watch the clip, I don't know if I'm sure you saw it, Don, but if you didn't, it's a Jacobs run up the middle where it's daylight and the end zone on the other side, and he, he takes a seat at the one. That's what he did. Well, yeah, but that wasn't on third down. On third down, they took the knee. Oh, okay. My bad, yeah. I, I like what Jacobs did to get down to run off another 40 seconds, but the kneeing it on third down to kick the field goal to take yeah. off another 40 seconds was stupid. They should have tried to score another touchdown Yeah, okay. on so, yeah, third down. Yeah, okay. That yeah. is the way to go. Yeah, okay. So um, thank you for weighing on that. But anyways, yeah, that's – I do want to quickly shout out before we move to our next segment – Um. Jets are out here being playoff records, man. Uh, I know the Browns <laughs> lost all the receivers like right before this game, but Sammy D, kudos to you. You you you're trying to ruin another playoff team, and you beat the the Jets have won two in a row. They beat the Browns on a Sunday, so I felt like we had to shout that out. Uh, Absolutely, and I I do want to shout out my players of the week. I actually put two in this week because there were two guys that I felt like deserved it. Two guys who I think if you watch football, you love them. We already mentioned both of their teams, starting off with Miami and Ryan Fitzpatrick made one of the greatest plays I've ever seen, completing that pass to whoever it was who caught it. I don't even remember, but no look past Mac Hollins, 40 yards down the field. Unbelievable. Just a fantastic play to win them the game in relief. That was awesome. And the second one, Jets running back Frank Gore, getting to 16,000 yards in his career. Congratulations, Frank Gore. You you can't not love that guy. He's just so awesome running hard everywhere. Even for the one in 13 New York jets now two and 13, they did get that first win against the Rams Dom, but in case congratulations you know. to Frank Gore, just the third player in NFL history to reach 16,000 yards. I believe it was just him. Emmett Smith and Walter Payton, I believe is the other one. It's a pretty elite list. Congratulations, Frank Gore. This might ignite stuff, but he, he's a he's a Hall of Famer, right? Like maybe it won't. Okay, but I I would agree. I don't think he's like a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he's never had that like season. I've I've never considered Frank Gore like a top five or even maybe. I mean maybe he like was top I, five in his prime. No, I, I don't know. He was top five in his prime. This did ignite something. I called it. Uh, no, okay. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure if he's first ballot though. You guys know where I stand on running backs. So yeah, I know. I, I uh, certainly I just, a hall of famer just asking. Yeah. Just, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. There we go. 
Um, but anyways, we're going to jump into our next segment here. Uh, it's another little talk. Oh, you, oh you, you're not going to let me shout out my oh, player of the week. Okay. Sorry, Dom. I, I, I did not know if you had one or not. I, I didn't well, have one. So Josh. Of course, is- of course I have my player of the week and you know who it's going to be. It is going to be Alvin Kamara. Dude, I forgot. Yep. Go he ahead. led, led Vamos to the promised land. He and Devontae Adams were the two greatest picks of my life. Thank you, Leo, for drafting Clyde Edwards Alaire over Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara was a monster and was a dog. Scored six Leo, touchdowns. That's completely your fault. Oh, that's 100%. completely your I, fault I, if you won I, the championship. I blame Eagles bias. Okay. I, I win. Andy Reid and a rookie running backs. Andy Reid and his running backs, and I and I just took Kyle Edwards. <laughs> that was moronic. Not really, Lashawn McCoy, Brian Westbrook. It's not completely moronic. It was doing great until they took Levy on. He just he dashed the Bills for like one hundred seventy. Alvin Kamara. Alvin, he, he was having contract problems. He wasn't even. He didn't have a new contract till after the draft. It looks Un- fine. Uh, unbelievable. That's a mistake. Anyways. Wow. Alvin Kamara scored six touchdowns. Would have been seven if Taysom Hill didn't vulture that uh, that one touchdown. I, I can't complain. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know this by now. But uh, I tweeted out at the at halftime. He's got me thirty points a half. If he gets to fifty, he'll donate fifty dollars to a charity of his choice. Uh, he of course never responded, but that, that's not the that's not the point. Uh, found out that he supports Son of a Saint charity it's a charity in new orleans uh to support uh children who uh who lost their fathers so i donated 50 dollars to that and uh in honor of alvin kamara and uh apparently a lot of other people did too so glad to see that we're using fantasy football for good because i i I hate fantasy football i i hate how it changes the way i watch the game but i get suckered into it every year i'm suckered into it for the next couple of years now you love it you hate that you love it don't even try and act different you hate that you love it but you know what i'm a winner uh thank you uh bubbles we we steamrolled through the playoffs man oh my gosh dom now joins the elite club of uh that league's champions, which includes me, Josh. I won that league one time. FYI, I am a part of that club. So I just wanted to say that, <laughs> but yeah. Can't wait to draft Damian Harris with my first round pick next year. Let's go, Josh. Let's go, Dom. I can't wait to botch my first round. Okay. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> it's not the point of this podcast. Let's get onto our segment. Josh, do you want to explain it since we kind of went fancy crazy with <laughs> that last little part? Yeah, let, let's get off the fantasy football topic and let's sort of just enjoy what was, I think, a fantastic NFL season. Unfortunately, we're winding down to the end here in week 17. So we felt like it would be a good opportunity to kind of recap the season and just pick out some of our favorite games of the year. We're going to talk about a game that from a biased perspective was our favorite game of the year, the most entertaining game, the best win for a team, the worst loss for a team. I wonder what some of us are going to put for that one. And of course, the <laughs> Dude, come on, man. Stop. <laughs> You're beating a dead horse. <laughs> it's oh. still funny. It's so funny. Though. It's I'm, still sure funny. It is. I'm sure it is, Josh. <laughs> Instead of rattling Job uh, at the end of the podcast, we're going to rattle him uh, midway and see how it goes <laughs> from there. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and jump into this. Dom, we'll start with you since you probably have a lot more to say about good wins than Leo does. What was your favorite bias game of the year? Uh, there were two really good ones for me. I ultimately am going to decide to go with Rams Bucks in this one. 
because they were actually underdogs in this game as opposed to the Rams-Seahawks win back in Week 10. Rams going on the road, Monday Night Football. We all know how West Coast teams do on the road in Monday Night Football on the East Coast. It's not it's not a good thing, kickoff at 8 o'clock. But the Rams went out. They dominated the Buccaneers. Uh, Jordan Fuller got two interceptions. It was an awesome game. At that point, that, I mean, that, that was the high of uh, of the Rams season without a doubt. Jared Goff looked fantastic in that game. Uh, and, you know, like I said, the Rams go when Jared Goff goes and they fall when Jared Goff falls. And this was a prime example of that game. Absolutely electric game. And uh, it's it's been downhill ever since. Hey, Josh, can you remind me what they one of the things they've done since? I think you suck. You, you, they lost you, to um, who who was it? I think it's a team in it was, New Jersey. It, it wasn't Miami. It was another AFC East team. Was it? They lost to Buffalo, but that was before. I, I that was too early. They beat New England. So was it? Was it the Jets? I think it was the Jets. I think it was the win. It was all right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just making sure. <laughs> yes, very yes, interesting. Yes, suck. <laughs> Uh, all right, Josh, do you want me to go with my bias game now, or are you going to do it? Go right ahead, Leo. All right, well, obviously, Josh alluded to it. I don't really have much to pick from here. Uh, my team is 4 10 and 1. But um, we were underdogs against the Saints back in uh, week. Uh, I have written down what week was it? Week 14. Uh, it, the Taysom Hill was starting, but we were still underdogs. It was Jalen Hurts's first full game and you know we came out and we were up 17 nothing in the first half we shut down their offense Jalen looked good uh we started to collapse because our entire secondary decided to get injured halfway through that second quarter uh half but uh we pulled out the win and we uh took the saints out of any chance at the number one seed basically uh with that win and you know it was, it was a nice win. It was, it was good to finally win and just focus on the win as an Eagles fan, especially through this turmoil tumultuous season. So yeah, that's my biasy game of the week, game of the year. Eagles beat the saints at home. All right. That was certainly a win that I think we were all a little surprised by. And that was a fun one for you, Leo. Congratulations for me. Sitting here with a 12 and three record. This was a little hard to pick. Oh yeah. There were a lot of great wins. And I honestly didn't know where to go with it. So I decided to go with the game where I think I really realized how special this team was. And that was the 44 to 34 victory at home against the Seattle Seahawks. I think that's when Buffalo really knew how special this team was. Not only did Josh Allen go 31 of 38 for 415, three touchdowns and no interceptions. But after that game, just hearing about how earlier the day before Josh Allen's grandmother had passed away and how he still wanted to play this game for his teammates, knowing how big this game was, despite playing in it with a heavy heart, he was able to come out and put up one of his best games of the season. And that led to all of Buffalo donating to the Oshai children's hospital in Buffalo raising over a million dollars now for the Patricia Allen fund. I think this was the game where all of Buffalo really sat there and realized, wow, this is a really special team. And uh, this is, I believe, the only time on this podcast where I picked against the Bills. I might have yes. done it when they played Kansas City. I'm uh, not sure. You, you did. You did. I might have. I'm not sure. doesn't really matter. But this is probably the only game where I picked against the Bills that the Bills won. And I think this was just the moment where 
all of Buffalo knew we really have something in this Josh Allen kid. Love it. That's beautiful. I love it. All right. But that does, uh, that does all the bias. Beautiful games. year. Yeah, it has for you. I, I'm glad someone's had a beautiful year here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what's the next one, Josh? What types of games are we looking at next? Because I know we got four more. So the next one we're going to go with here, Leo, is what was just the most entertaining game of the year. I'll kick this one off here because I took the easy one. I mean, Ravens, Browns, Monday Night Football. That was the That's game of the fine. year. I think we're all going to have the same one here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, that was mine. Uh, <laughs> that game was insane. Uh, I think it's forever going to be known as the Poop Bowl. It was just a fantastic game. <laughs> Lamar, of course, getting his cramps, which we all know is diarrhea. Somehow coming back, taking over for Traits McSorley, who was able to hold his own for a little bit and making that crazy play. This was just a movie script. There's no other way to describe it. And of course, it ends with the heartbreaking Cleveland. Yeah, of course, it ends with a Justin Tucker, you know, Justin Tucker field goal. Well, no, it didn't just end with a Justin okay, Tucker yeah. field goal. It ended <laughs> with the most ridiculous safety you've ever seen in your life to cover the spread for Ravens betters. Let's Not that go. we endorse gambling on this podcast, but right. if anyone does pick against the spread and lost some money on that Brown game, I feel terrible for you. But if you want some money on the Ravens, congratulations. That's the greatest win of your life, probably. This game had literally everything. Yep. Literally everything. I definitely agree that that is the best game of the year, but I did have a backup, so I'm ready to go here. We stay strapped. I stay strapped on this podcast. My backup game here is uh, the first ballot between the Seahawks and the Cardinals, which was back in week seven. Uh, that was the game that, you know, not only was a great game, but I want to highlight the memes that came out of this game because of the uh, Buda Baker uh almost picked six as he was getting chased down by DK Metcalf. People freeze freeze framed that image of DK chasing him and made a bunch of hilarious memes. Uh, one I can make what I'd like to make right now on the podcast, Buda Baker is the Rams playoff hopes and DK Metcalf is the jets. Uh, just want to shout that one out. You, you guys, <laughs> I will say you guys suck. <laughs> this is, like, this is I, too say, I didn't play in that game. I didn't. <laughs> we don't care, Dom. We don't care. I just I, I thought that on the fly, by the way. I Dom. hope Lamar Jackson kicks the Bills' ass in the playoffs so I can <laughs> rub it in your face for you saying that Lamar Jackson is not good. Uh, okay. Anyway, never said he's not good. I said he's not going to have, have long term success in the league, and I said he's not a great thrower of the football. Um, what I do want to say about that Seahawks Cardinals game. Obviously a fantastic game. The second one was just as good. Yeah. But I mean, this like game, that, that Thursday night game in Seattle, I believe Seattle won 28 to 21. I think the score was, that was also a fantastic football game. Yeah. I just want to, you know, I, I, I'm going to break it down a little bit more. This game obviously was close scoring through and throughout the Cardinals won this one 37, 34. It was an upset. People didn't think the Cardinals would win. This was probably when Seattle was at its highest point in the season. We thought they were the, undisputed number two team in the league and the Cardinals beat them. Uh, I was close the entire way through. There was the Buda Baker interception that got stopped uh, by DK that ended up saving the game because the Cardinals would try and go on fourth and goal for the touchdown. They didn't get it. Uh, the Seattle would go up 10 Cardinals would fight back with barely any time left on the clock. They'd score a touchdown, go up 34, 31, force the punt that would end up giving them a minute 30 to force the OT 34, 34 forces OT. The Seahawks get the ball first. They punt it away. Uh, then the Cardinals go down and miss a field goal. Uh, they miss a pretty a pretty simple field goal. And then Russ throws a pick 
to give the Cardinals great field position. And Zane Gonzalez goes round two, hits the OT thrilling field goal to win the game. It was it was a pretty special NFC West. That Hassan, I believe it, no, it was Isaiah Simmons who made that pick against yeah. Russell. Correct? It was. That, that might have been the defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a crazy great pick, and it took cap off a pretty good game. So that that was my audible game. That was certainly a great game of the year as well. Uh, Dom, did you did you have a different game in mind besides poop bowl or whatever? Well, so I, I I had those two games written down. So I've been scrambling over the past couple of minutes to get two games down. Uh, <laughs> I have two, I have two games. I think these were the other two top games of the year. First one. Chiefs Raiders, the second one on Sunday night football, absolutely electric game, uh, back and forth affair between two teams that the Raiders would have won this game. They would have been a game back for the Chiefs and they would have had the tiebreaker of them given the fact that they won both games. Both games. Thank you. Um, but, and the Raiders record since that game is like one and four with the one win being the Jets. Yeah, I think so. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's been a rough ride for, for the Raiders. And Unbelievable you look like a clown for saying they'd be attending the team. And I look like a clown for they, agreeing with you. So they were very, very close to winning some games. You know, the one team that Th- that's not the, the Jets, worst case. You know what the Jets did the week after that? <laughs> they beat the Rams. Do you want me to stay on this podcast? <laughs> this not really. <laughs> not Thanks. really. No, we love you here, Dom. I just <laughs> I my brain is in you that guys, mode. I think you guys every- are you guys are lucky I have the mental capacity to take jokes. <laughs> uh, obviously it still hurt, but I, I can, I can take them. I will say anyway, Dom's is probably the best at taking jokes. I'm, I'm worse than him. So this is, yeah, really- no one, no one is better than me at bending over and just taking it. So yeah. nice. Nice. Thank <laughs> you for that image. All right. Keep going down. What's your other game? <laughs> uh, the other game, hot Josh, this game brings back bad memories. Bill's Cardinals in the Valley uh, was capped off by that. Deandre Hopkins, Hail Mary, the Hail Murray. But you also got to remember, the Bills were up huge in this game. Arizona came back with a great third quarter to take the lead. And then Josh Allen, his final drive of the game, uh, gave him the lead. Everyone thought the Bills were going to win. But Psych uh, was just an absolutely great game uh, watching this in the Valley and uh, having a bunch of friends who uh, are Cardinals fans and just have this game on because it was the cable game. Absolutely electric. The Cardinals have won two games since this, and they're both against teams from the NFC East. So it certainly peaked when uh, DeAndre Hopkins went up and caught that. Uh, it's been tough sledding for the Cardinals. Didn't help that Kyler Murray got injured on Thursday Night Football following this game. But this was certainly a great game. And uh, Josh, since you've uh, been giving me a lot of crap, I figured I'd uh, bring back those memories to you. Obviously, it's been, uh, it's been good memories ever since this for you. It's been very good memories ever since that game. The Bills have won every game since that one by double digits. And if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I don't think this Bills team would be as good as it is right now without that Hail Mary happening. I think that's really been, I said it the second it happened. I said, good teams will use this to motivate them to do better throughout the season and bad teams will melt down after this. And since then, the Bills have won every game by double digits. You know, what's crazy. You can argue that that the Glendale has hosted the defensive and offensive play of the year. Cause that D hop catch <laughs> that's up there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the three play of the year is either. It, it's honestly probably Ryan Fitzpatrick's throw Saturday night. I think that was insane, but if it's not it, that, you it's could go anyway. Dudes. If it's not that it's D hop. 
yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, that's uh, best wins or right? Am I or am I wrong? Yeah. No, best games. Best games. No, Sorry. Most entertaining game. Most entertaining game. Josh, what's uh, what's the next one we got here? Best win for me. I think this was really clear as day. Sunday night football. How about the New Orleans Saints being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Thirty. Just stealing mine. <laughs> That's mine too. Yeah. That, that uh, I'm sorry to take it from everyone, but I mean, this was complete destruction. This was the most one-sided primetime football game that was supposed to be an even game that I think I've ever seen. I mean, the Bucks were three-point favorites in this one. And they lost 38 to three at home. I don't think they had a first down in the first half. The Saints just dominated. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, if you could talk about it for a little bit more, because me and Dom are scrambling to find other games, that would be yeah. I, I will talk about it a little bit more. Let's <laughs> look into what New Orleans did after that game because this really felt like the Saints are back game. I mean, heading into this one. They had four straight wins, but those were against the Lions by six, the Chargers by three, the Panthers, uh, Panthers by three, and the Bears by three in overtime. We're like, all right, Leo thinks this team is so good, but they're just sneaking by in a lot of these games. And then Leo was lucky enough to buy stock early on this New Orleans Saints team, lucky. and they come out and beat the Bucks 38 to three. I mean, this was really the coming out party for the New Orleans Saints, showing that they were a legit contender for the Super Bowl. They rattled off another four straight wins after that. Of course, they followed it up with back-to-back losses to the Eagles and Chiefs, now bouncing back with the Viking game. But this was the real coming-out party for the Saints. This is where they established themselves as a Super Bowl contender. And this was by far the most impressive win of the season. Yeah, I I just got one. Uh, I'm going to take football team over the Steelers here. Uh, this is at this point, the Steelers were undefeated. They were 11-0 in Week 13. Football team was down 14 to nothing, got a miraculous field goal at the end of the first half and scored a touchdown in the third quarter and just kind of took over from there. And uh, this is the game where we kind of saw what Pittsburgh is. Team that doesn't really run the football well, has that elite defense, has to rely on the pass. And a good defense like Washington was able to stop them in the second half and just take over. And, you know, this team is Alex Smith on offense. And when Alex Smith has played for them, they've been very good at this so far this year. If he can come back in week 17, I like their chances against the Eagles. Uh, if not, they could find themselves missing the playoffs. Yeah, so Dom gave – I think Dom just gave me a suggestion. I'm going to kick your suggestion out the window because I already had a game, Dom, and it's not that game. So how do you like that? Huh? Okay. Well, well, then I'll, do you want me to just talk about that game then? Uh, sure, go ahead. I'm Yeah. I will take the Bills win over the San Francisco 49ers. At this point, the 49ers just came off a huge win over the Rams, and this game was going to be on Monday Night Football, and the Bills just came out and dominated the 49ers, minus the 49ers' garbage time touchdown. And the Bills at this point kind of really showed their dominance because the 49ers were playing some of their best football, and at that point, the Bills kind of showed that, hey, we're the second-best team in football. Yeah. All right. Uh, my game is going to be one that I personally forgot about because of uh, the, the the narrative surrounding this team this year. Uh, a lot of people forgot about this too. Um, the Falcons beat the Raiders 43 to six one week. Uh, and that included five turnovers by the Raiders. And you know, the Falcons do this every year, man. They're, they have the choke narrative around them. They 
blow way under expectations. And then right when they should just tank, they decide to blow a potential playoff team out, which was, you know, this Raiders team uh, was kind of flying higher than they are now. And they beat them 43 to six. Matt Ryan, you know, made a stake for, Hey, sign me in the off season. Cause the Falcons don't want me. And the Falcons defense decided to absolutely shut down Derek Carr. Uh, like I mentioned, they, the Raiders had four fumble recoveries and, you know, Atlanta threw an interception to top that off. This game was just a complete slacking that a lot of people forgot about. So I wanted to highlight it, but that was, you know, one of the best wins of the year, in my opinion. And it came from a, you know, a team that's going to pick top five in the draft probably. So interesting little shout out there, but yeah, that's all the best wins. Now we're going to get to the fun segment. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of Josh. Uh, is, is it worst losses? J E T S Jets 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 <laughs> the New York Jets on the road picked up their first win of the 2020 National Football League season against who? Rams. The at the time nine and four Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> I'll be honest, I still don't really understand how they pulled it off, but they pulled it off. Everyone was shocked that they did it, and the Jets aren't winless, guys. The Rams were the ones to screw it all up for everybody. I mean, I, there's not, I, I don't have anything else to say. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've already got into this already in this segment. Uh, Dobby's right. We're beating a dead horse, but the Rams haven't won a game since that game. We've only played one damn game and it was against the Seahawks. It's still, it's still a, it's still a fact, Dob. It is, it is. But still you a fact. Hit, you hit, but there's a difference between saying that about like the Cardinals <laughs> who haven't won a game against a non-NFC team since the Hail Mary. And the fact that the Raiders are one in five since losing that game. I am just here. Sure, the but I also don't I'm think here the Rams are going to win facts. another game this year. We'll see. They're going up against uh, injured Kyler Murray. So. I'm here to report the facts, Dob. Yes. Yes. I'm here to report the facts. Uh, I do also remember Dom, you know, claiming that this team would go 12 and four and then they uh, lost this game. And now they're potentially could go nine and seven. Uh, yeah, which that was is, quite funny. That was, that was brutal. Yeah. I get, I get suckered in, you know, by my meme I do with the, like the Dodger fans and, and myself when the Potter should make it come back to you. Throw in the cast, you reel them in, you go, shoo. I, I that, that was me with the the Rams. So I, you know, I, I, I was very wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm were. just very, I'm very disappointed in this offense because they're just wasting defensive talent. Because the, the like the past couple of weeks have shown that this Rams defense is just as good, if not better, than the Steelers defense, and it's just being wasted. Now with the Rams losing, it could uh, could keep Staley within the Rams, and I would. You would hear no complaints from me, but defenses regress after year over year. So I'm you, concerned. You know how they you have that picture of um, Sean McVay holding Pete Carroll. I'm going to recreate it, but Jared Goff's going to be the baby, and Sam Darnold is going to be the father because Sam Darnold owns Jared Goff. You know, I I would be curious to look at Sam Darnold's two years at USC and how if they played Cal at all during that time. And if Jared Goff is still there, 
if it is, I'm gonna make the image. If if they if if he daddied him then too, I will make the image. I will I will look at that right now. Uh, but yeah, anyways, so since Dom's looking that up, I guess I'll go with uh, my worst loss. Uh, this is one that people forget a lot, and it's fair because uh, we've talked about it before. Josh used it early on as the excuse for the Browns and Baker, and it's it's a little bit of a fair one. I put okay. too much weight. The week one okay, argument, and then the week one argument. No, I didn't just use it for the Browns and Baker. I also used it for this game. Okay, but still, it's still a, it's still a disgusting loss, regardless. Um, so I'm going to shout it out because people forgot it. it you know, we're week 17. Uh, the Colts lost to the you know number one overall pick Jaguars in week one, uh, which you can chalk up. You know, new offense, new quarterback. Yeah, but uh, if we look at it now, if the Colts had just not done that, their life would be so much easier. And the Jags are the worst team in football, basically. I mean, you could still argue the Jets, even though what they're doing. But yeah, so that's my, I just went, the, the one win the Jags got was over a potential playoff team. So and I also believe, wasn't it in Indianapolis? I'm not sure. I can't uh, well, where's, where's the game this week? Uh, this week it is in Indianapolis. So that one was in Jacksonville. Okay. Well, yeah, no, it was in Jacksonville because they had pains there. I remember that. Okay. I don't okay. think that makes a difference, but. Yeah. But so, yeah, I want to shout that one out. Dom, did you look it up? Or because we're ready to go through your worst loss that is obviously not going to be Jets Rams. So it doesn't matter too much. <laughs> I mean, you just said Colts Jags. Week one, in uh, this year, I think that they get a very, very big uh, uh, excuse flag because, you know, very limited practices. So, you know, teams came out. Especially with a new quarterback joining a new offense. Right. I, I a lot kinda... of growing pains. I kind of highlighted this game because I thought you would take the other very obvious one. Yes, 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 so. yes. I will, I will take Steelers Bengals. This was the second biggest upset of the year behind game that was already mentioned. Which which uh, game was that, Dom? Uh, which, we we uh, can you our put list, it on record. Can you put it on record, our, please. Our listeners can rewind the podcast about two or three minutes to, to hear Joshua. Talk about I, that I would li- I would like it on record. Can you I, just- I I don't have to say this. We, we, <laughs> you, you you suck. Rams Jets. It was Rams Jets. The Rams. Who won that game? The Jets did. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, the Rams were seventeen point favorites in that game and lost by three. And this one, the Steelers were fourteen point favorites over the Bengals. And Booger McFarland said the score would be a lot to a little in his official Monday Night Football prediction on Monday Night Countdown. Got love Booger. And the Bengals came out and they dominated the Steelers. And in my opinion, this was a worse loss. Then the Rams versus Jets. The, the, the Rams loss is bad. It was very bad. But this was a worse loss. No, I, 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 however, however, one team did rebound the following week, ended up winning. The other team did not. So, But the Bengals came out. They dominated this game. Uh, Steelers lost to a backup quarterback when they were 14 point favorites. And they, they got killed. So, ha. Yeah. So that game, you know, if Dom wasn't a Rams fan, uh, we wouldn't talk about the Rams Jets game as much because uh, the Bengals lost to the Steelers was worse that week. It's it's going to be really funny wearing my Jared Goff jersey I got for Christmas when Jared Goff isn't playing this week. Yeah, that's it's interesting. That's unfortunate. But yeah, that does worse losses. Uh, we have one. We have one more section, right, Josh? What what is it again? What's yeah. So the last one we had was weirdest game, and the one I put for weirdest game is actually one that Leo had for his best win. I thought that Falcons win over the Raiders was the weirdest game of the year. I understand that, yeah. I, that was just something that I don't think anyone saw coming that still 
I don't really – the Raiders aren't that good, but I don't think anyone expected the Falcons to win 43-6. to six. I don't think anyone expected the Raiders to turn the ball over five times. I don't think anyone expected the Raiders to hold the Falcons to under three, to 304 yards. And it was just a really, really weird football game. Without a doubt, I'd, I'd agree that was also weirdest. Yeah, I mean, every Falcons game kind of falls under the weirdest category game, and I'm going to shadowing. Pick, pick oh, don't, you take, don't you do it? If you I'm, take my you, game, I you, you know what game I'm picking. If it's, you, I, it's it's Falcons Chargers. I mean, that's my on. game. Oh, <laughs> I had a whole I had a whole dare to pay it out for this. You just don't. Hey, you know, you, you talk about it. I'll find another game since I've been doing a good job with this. Okay. Okay. Thank choke you. Bowl. Thank you dearly. This is the choke bowl. This is, you know, you get a Super Bowl every year, you get a choke bowl once every millennia. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. And this was a amazing game only in the final three minutes for the choke bowl's sake. Uh, the game was tied 17 to 17 going into the fourth quarter. You think who is coming down to the wire, the most important part of the game for two choking franchises, who's going to pull it off. Matt Ryan's driving down the field. He gets into field goal range, 341 on the clock. He's at the 29 of the Chargers. And what does he do? He throws a pick. Of course he throws a pick. It's the Falcons. There you go. There's the winner of the choke bowl, the Falcons. Justin Herbert says, no, because I'm going to drive down the field. And with 50 seconds, I'm going to throw a pick. And I'm going to give the ball right back to the Falcons. Throw us all for a loop. What's going on? Which one of these teams is going to win? And the Matt Ryan, what does he do? He goes right back into the Chargers field. He gets into their territory. And of, and of course, he has to be the choking king. He throws another pick, three picks inside a three-minute span. The Chargers take that ball down the field. They barely get into field goal range. It's about a 40-ish yard kick. And you go with any other team, you go, all right, that's the game. But this is the Chargers, all right? This is the team that had the best scoring offense and the best overall offense and best overall defense in a year and missed the playoffs because they had the 32nd ranked special teams. This is a team cursed in their entire existence. Special teams wise money badger. He's been terrible at points this year. And of course he somehow kicks the game winning field goal for the chargers to win 20 to 17 in a completely meaningless game besides the weirdness of the choke bowl to award the Atlanta Falcons, the most choking team of the year and of the millennia. Uh, so that was my weirdest game that I had in fact speech for. I hope you guys enjoyed it, but yeah, choke bowl is certainly weird, weird game. 100%. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my game. I have quickly found two other games that I can talk about here. Uh, just look at me guys. I'm giving our listeners a ton of content here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff. Uh, you suck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, first one, these are both one point games, and they were just absolutely bonkers of games. Game one, we're gonna go with Panthers, Vikings, in I believe week 10. This was, this was the game we debated about the ending of, correct? Yes, yeah. uh, it involved uh, the, the game winning drive from the, from the Vikings after they muffed the punt that led to a missed field goal. It was just a crap show of a fourth quarter. I mean, there were, there were missed field goals, there were fumbles, and there was a Hail Mary, and then, oh, my God. And then, and then the Panthers had another chance to uh, to win the game on a on a field goal to end the game, and then they ended up missing it. It, it, was, it, was, just, it was just odd. And there was a blocked field goal as well, and it, 
There were uh, two defensive touchdowns on back-to-back plays for Jeremy Chin. It was just a wild game. And, of course, I was on the right side of it with the, Pan- with the Vikings, and I know Josh had the Panthers because he has the Panthers win total above four, and it's not going to hit. And we're praying for Josh. It's actually over five and a half, and it hits with a win against the Saints on Sunday. We'll see. They won't beat the Saints, but you know what? I also expected Christian McCaffrey to play more than three football games. I don't think Christian McCaffrey helps them win that much. I mean, he won Offensive Player of the Year last year, and they still went 5-11 and 11 and had like a bottom 10 offense in the league. So, running backs. Uh, next one. Another game that involves the Falcons. This, this was peak Falcons right here. I think you guys can guess which game this was. This was the game where Todd Gurley tried to fall down short of the end zone when he got the first down that would have given him the win. But no, he scored a touchdown on the Falcons on a Hail Mary drive, and then Matthew Stafford ended up being the savior. There were also two missed field goals in this game for Matt Prater. Uh, it, it was just a crap show of a game. Matt Ryan and both Matt Stafford had fantastic games, but uh, the leading carriers on each team, uh, Adrian Peterson, 11 carries for 29 yards. Todd Gurley, 23 carries for 63 yards. Talk about garbage. Uh, the, I mean, the, those are just ugly stat lines. Quarterbacks each did everything in their power to win. The fact that these two teams, none of them scored more than 24 points is a joke. But in the fourth quarter, Matt Prater kicked a game, uh, go-ahead field goal with uh, with just over three minutes left. And then the Falcons drove down the field, and Todd Gurley scored on the touchdown. He didn't want to score on. He wanted to fall down when he got the first down. But uh, he tripped over someone, and uh, he couldn't stop his momentum in time. Ended up crossing the goal line with a minute to go. And then the Falcons went for two uh, to make it a six-point game, and they got it. And then uh, a hail Mary to Kenny Galladay. He caught it, went up and spiked it with six seconds left. And then on final play of the game, Matt Stafford rolled out to his left and found TJ Hawkinson for the touchdown and for the 23-22 win. And at this point, the Falcons went to one and six instead of going two and five. All right. I just realized we completely forgot a game. It was arguably the weirdest game, to be honest with you. Uh, we forgot the Broncos Saints game where KJ Hamler started at quarterback. First of uh, all, you mean Kendall, Kendall Hilton, Hilton Kendall, quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Hilton or Hinton? Hinton. Hinton. I said I said Hilton on it. It's Hinton. But that that was just a 2020 is weird game and not a weird football game. I, I it's it, you gotta you gotta mention it. I mean, they had of all course. the quarterbacks taken. That, that wasn't weird football. That was just 2020 being 2020. Yeah. That was obviously the game where uh, for the second time ever, crazy that it's the second time this has ever happened. I can't, I can't believe it was the first time that a quarterback had more interceptions and completions uh, ever. And it was the practice squad wide out. What was the first one? It was the chargers in like 1988. <laughs> yeah. 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 They put it up on the slate, but yeah, I mean, obviously never seen that before, you know, with COVID all their quarterbacks got taken out because of close contact and they got whooped by Taysom Hill and false narrative. Uh, everyone who liked Taysom Hill into thinking he was good. And then, you know, he's not. You know what, though? The fact that they were able to put up three points in that game was impressive. I'm, like, I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. The fact that Denver even scored, good for them. No, and I think they got it because they got a fumble in, in, uh, in Saints territory and they got like two first downs. And then they, they got two goal. first downs without a quarterback. 
yeah, it, it was incredible. I uh, I did have what's his name, Royce Freeman, on my fantasy team that week. Uh, he did not play, and uh, I remember uh, let's Latavius Murray scored two touchdowns, and yeah. This was another one of those games where people who say these quarterbacks are okay, they got a big slap in the face because Taysom Hill looked like crap despite the fact that the other team didn't have a quarterback. And the Broncos completed one pass, and their offense was... I take back what I said. Their field goal drive was a four-play, one-yard drive. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't anything. Because the Broncos' defense was very good. They kept them in this game. It was their defense making a good play on Taysom Hill getting an interception. I take back what I said. My apologies. Yeah. But so, yeah, I just want to mention that game, but that's going to, you know, that's going to do it for um, that little segment that ran wild. That was a fun look back at uh, 2020 season. I'm sure we'll do it again at some point through the playoffs, maybe give some awards out. I'm sure we'll definitely get on that on top of that at some point, but for now uh, we're going to move on the final segment of the podcast. You know, it. it's the final week of picks uh, here. And it did get interesting because Josh had his best week historically on this podcast last week, hitting the hot take. Uh, I'll update the standings here. Uh, Dom did pull ahead of me with some of the picks. I tried to make to catch up to him. So Dom's at 131. I'm at 127. And then Josh is at 121, which, you know, used to be down like 13 or 14. And now he's only down like six to me. I'm still down uh, six. Okay. I got to make up a little more six ground. to me. Yeah. Six to me, 10 to Dom. Cause Dom had a great week too. The only reason you gained on him was the hot. I got to hit a hot take and win four games, win four games on you and hit a hot take. I yeah. It'd be, it. it'd be miraculous. If I God, if I end up in third place, that suck. I better pull it out here. But um, yeah, so that's the standings where you get into the picks. Uh, and then based off the picks, we're going to give our, our uh, playoff scenarios. Cause I'm going to, while we're going through these picks, I'm going to read off the scenarios. I have them here. For each, because a lot of these games, you know, play are, are important playoff games. Let's uh, jump right into week 17 here. Uh, we do not have a Thursday night game. Uh, it's in te- it, we don't even have Sunday games. It's all uh, sorry, we don't have Saturday games. It's all Sunday. There's no Monday night football. All these games, games on Sunday. This 16 is week games 17. On Smash mouth, winner go home football. And I could not be more excited for it, baby. So the first game is a bit irrelevant. Uh, it's an AFC, NFC South. Uh, game here. It's between the Falcons. You obviously know are out of the postseason against the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks can't clinch uh, NFC South. That was last week. The Saints had their, you know, on Christmas Day they had their shirt and hat game. Uh, and the Bucks are confirmed a playoff spot. So I don't. Are they playing Brady? Like, are they are they not resting starters? I don't know why they would play anyone this for. More I believe than they are playing Brady because they want to get that fifth spot to play the NFC East champion. Okay. All right. So they, so they're going to play for something here. Uh, they want the fifth spot instead of getting bumped down to the sixth, which they possibly could depending on other outcomes here. So they win their, their, their possibility to be the sixth seed is if they lose in the range. Yeah. Okay. So they are going to play their starters. They're going to try to win this game. So they get the fifth speed seed. So they get to play the NFC least, uh, guys quickly go here. I mean, uh, we're all taking, we're all taking the bucks here with them playing. Right. I mean, you guys go ahead and run with it. I'm taking the box. Yeah, I'm going to take the box. They're the better team. They still have something to play for. They're going to win. I agree. All right. So that means everyone here is taking the Bucks for the first game of week 17. Moving on to the next game here. Uh, it's This is an interesting one because uh, this does have playoff implications as well. Uh, it's the six and nine Cowboys at the five and 10 Giants. Um, the winner of this game potentially has a playoff spot 
Uh, and it's, it's a little wacky how it works. So the Giants need to win and the Red, uh, oh my, I almost had a drink. The Giants need to win and the football team to lose and they get the spot. And it's the same way for the Cowboys because the Giants hold the tiebreaker over the Cowboys uh, if they win. Giants are five and 10. They move to six and 10. And with a football team loss, would make the postseason. On the flip side, the Cowboys, if they win, they move to seven and nine. Uh, they don't have the tiebreaker on the football team, so they also need them to lose. So it's whoever wins this game needs the football team to lose, and they make the postseason. So they're both going to be playing really hard. Uh, so I'm going to go to you first, Dom. What are you thinking here? Because this, is, this isn't the easiest pick, to be honest with you. I actually think it is. I've picked the Cowboys a couple of times this past couple of weeks. I've been solid on them. I think they're going to win this game again. Uh, the Giants, they look like the Giants that we thought they were. Good defense, terrible offense. They got killed by the Ravens. Game score was a lot closer than it actually was. I'm going to take the Cowboys here. All right, Josh, or who are you, what are you, who are you I'm thinking? I'm actually going to take the Giants. I have always been a Daniel Jones believer, and I think he's going to get it done here. I like the way the Giants defense is playing as well, and I don't think the Cowboys are all that good. I am going to take the Giants here. My only fear is I think the Cowboys will win if Mike McCarthy smashes a watermelon before the game, and I'm not sure if he's going to do that or not. I know he did it again last week. The Cowboys are 2-0 and in watermelon games, and if this is a watermelon game, the Cowboys will probably win it. Am I allowed to say that if it is a watermelon game, I'm changing my pick? Or are we not going to allow that one? No. no. Okay. I mean, unless you find out, unless you find out on like Saturday that this was a watermelon game. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what. If I find a tweet that says Mike McCarthy smashed a watermelon before the game, I will retweet it and tag split the seam, and I'm changing my pick. You have to tag us too, so we see that. And it ha- you have to see the tweet before the game. It has to be before sure. the game. Any time before kickoff, I'm allowed to do that. Great, I will do that. If they smash a watermelon, I'm going to take the Cowboys. If not, I will take I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. That is the stupidest thing that might have ever come out of my mouth. But I truly and believe that if the Dallas Cowboys smash a watermelon, it somehow gets these guys riled up and they're 2-0 in watermelon games. I'll take the Cowboys in a watermelon game. If it's not a watermelon game, which it probably should be, I'm going to take the Giants. I... I'm going to take the Cowboys. Uh, I'm going to ride the hot streak. I, I can see why the Giants win this game, and I really want to pick against it to try to catch up to Dom, but I'm not going to be stupid here, and I'm just going to take the Cowboys because of the streak they're on. We'll move on to the next game here. Uh, this game is completely irrelevant. Again, uh, we have, we'll have a couple of these here. Uh, it is the 2-13 and 13 Jets at the 6-9 and nine Patriots. Guys, what is the, li- what is the line here? Because I'm, I'm curious. I'm New England minus three. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Never mind. Uh, I was, I, I was thinking about making a hot take on the jets. Honestly, I thought, well, you know what? You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. J-A-T-S, jets, jets, jets. They're going to finish with three straight wins. They're going to win by four plus here. Give me the jets plus four. I mean, minus four and a half. Give it to me. All right. The Rams fan just chanted jets on this podcast. I I've done that. it before. Don't I act like this. I want it. I want it written down that he's uh, he's uh, he's got that. I also take the Jets. Josh, you take. Are you going to take the Jets? Or are you scared of the Pats? And you're going to have them take this. Is your Maybe past the, pain going to give you this? I, I was going to take the Jets to pick up games on you, Leo. But now that you're giving me New England, I might have to do it. But they really are not good. G- give me New England if Stidham starts. 
Oh my, so many ifs. Okay. Uh, no, right, no, fine. give me the cats. Give me the cats. Give me the cats. Give me the cats. Okay. They're winning this game. New England stinks. Okay. Go. Okay. They're going three thirteen, baby. The Jets have given me a reason to pick them. I can't believe I, I'm saying it, but they've yeah, won. I know. Straight. Same here. New England is terrible. I told you guys they weren't as bad as everyone thought they were. I told no, they're you still very bad. You, you know when oh. I figured out they're not as bad as as everyone thought they were. Dom, you know, I know they beat the Rams. Okay. You know what? You know what? <laughs> Let's just move on. Let's just move Dom, the they are game. still very bad. They're not a good team. They're not a good team, but they are. You, I think you said they were the worst team in NFL history. No, they're not. Season. They're not. The Jaguars are worse than they are. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next game. This doesn't have any postseason. Yeah, I don't think it does because the Vikings got eliminated. Uh, after the loss of the Saints. So the Vikings, six and nine, barely missed out on the postseason, finished the season very weak. Uh, and they're gonna be playing the Lions. So it's just the it's the bottom, it's the bargain bottom bin of the of the two North and NFC North teams. This is like shooting fish in a barrel, honestly, to pick this game. I mean, you don't even know who's gonna be trying. They're both gonna start people, but I don't even know. What are you what are you guys gonna do? Uh, I'm actually pretty clear on this one. I'm gonna take the Detroit Lions. I think that. This could be Matthew Stafford's last game as a Lion. I hope it's not, but I think Stafford knows that it's a possibility. And I think he wants to go out on a high note and he's going to win this football game. I'm not right. even sure if Matt Stafford plays in this game. I mean, he's been injured. He got banged up. He didn't finish uh, the game against the Bucks. I'm going to take the Vikings in this one. I don't care if Dalvin Cook isn't playing. Uh, unfortunately, his father passed away earlier today. Um, we hope that uh, his family's uh, doing all right with that. Feed me Alexander Madison. Let's do this. Let's let's smash this myth. Uh, give the Vikings over the Lions here. Yeah, I'm also going to take the Vikings here. I, as, potential, as a potential uh, gainer for Josh, though. Yeah, I mean... It's not, it's not a bad pick, Josh, but I'm, I'm going to take the Vikings here. It's just, I don't know if, I don't know if Stafford's going to play. I mean, do we have to take a chance somewhere? Do we? Yeah, no, I guess this isn't a bad pick. I mean, you might as well pick just an irrelevant game to try and gain a game. Yeah. These games, I mean, some of these games, it doesn't matter. It's a crapshoot. Let's see what happens. Right. I I mean, do do any of us have an idea on Stafford? I I, I guess we should have prepped that a little bit better, but we had other stuff to do. Uh, So I have no idea. I can, I'm going to take a look really quick here uh, to see the status of Stafford. out in practice, but that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's a it's a crapshoot. Well, am I allowed to say? You get closer to Sunday. Am I allowed to say Stafford starts? I take Lions. Is that okay? Can I, can I do that? Yeah. Okay. So I'll take the Lions of Stafford plays. Because I I, want, I think this is a gainer on Dom if Stafford plays. All right. So moving on, we're back to a playoff scenario game. Uh, it's an interesting one because we kind of debated about this before we went on the podcast here. Uh, it's the 12 and three Steelers at the 10 and five Browns. Now let me lay off quickly before you guys jump in the playoff scenario here. Uh, so this is the game where if the Cleveland Browns win, they're in. Okay. If they win, they're in. And the Steelers obviously already have a postseason spot, but they could technically fight for the two. Uh, if Buffalo loses to Dolphins and they win, they get the two, vice versa, but Bills get the two. Uh, and if both teams lose, the Bills get the two because the Bills have the tiebreaker. So, uh, but it came out recently, I believe yesterday, that the Steelers are going to sit Big Ben and they're going to play Mason Rudolph against Miles Garrett, which is hilarious, by the way. 
Um, oh, so awesome. that, that brings up a point that I want to ask. Is this a Miles Garrett revenge game or is this a Mason Rudolph revenge game? Yes. That, that's for you to figure out. Yes. And that's the correct answer. It's going to be yeah. fun. I hope so, Miles Garrett gets a sack on him and we get some drama out of that. So, yeah, let me just let me just lay it out because I just got written down here, the Browns. Because the Steelers are obviously going to make the postseason. They're going to be two or three. Um, the Browns, a win gets it to them, but if they lose to the Steelers, uh, it, they need the Titans to lose. And either the Colts, Ravens, or Dolphins win. So the Titans definitely need to lose, and the Ravens, Colts, or Dolphins need to pull out a win. So that's the scenarios. But I'm just going to start out here. I was going to pick the Steelers because they, they're starting Big Ben, but I I'm, I'm, don't trust Mason Rudolph. So I'm going to take the Browns, and they'll punch a postseason ticket spot. So I'm taking the Browns. What are you guys thinking? Look, like... I want the Browns to win this game so badly. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, I would trade a Bills loss for a Browns win this week because the Bills game doesn't really matter. And if the Browns win, it gets the Bills the two seed. But I also just, Cleveland deserves this. Like Cleveland deserves this team to be in the playoffs and losing this game for the Browns would be the most Cleveland thing in the entire world. And this just feels like a game that, your old man's Browns lose, but I've been a firm believer that I don't think this is your old man's Browns. So I'm going to take Cleveland here. Baker's going to get the job done. I really, really hope they're able to pull this one out because this would be the biggest win for the Browns and God knows how long. So wait, just double check. I'm, you, did you take Mason Rudolph to win this game? or you, did No, you, I'm, taking, okay. I'm taking the Browns, but this is the game you expect the Browns to lose. But this isn't your old man's Browns. I'm taking Cleveland. All right, Dom, you also riding with the dog pound? I am. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I mean, this is this, this game is always fantastic. It's funny because uh, if the Browns do lose this game, they'll be two and four in the division, and you don't see a lot of teams go two and four in the division and make the playoffs. They could still do that, but it's a little uh, hard. But yeah, the, 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 there's a path. I'm going to take the Browns though. What in they're in? Let's go. So we all have the Browns making the postseason. Nice. Okay. All right. Uh, so moving on to the next game here, uh, we have the Ravens at the Bengals. Uh, this does have playoff implications, so I'm going to read this off uh, because the Ravens, if they win, they're in, uh, and they also make the playoffs uh, if either the Browns or the Colts lose. Either of them lose and the Ravens lose, they make it, but – I think what most of us are thinking here is that the Ravens are going to, the way they've been playing these last couple of games too, are going to beat the Bengals. I actually would like a line check on this game. If someone can hit me with it. Uh, Cause I'm not looking. I'm curious what the line is. Uh, for this game. I think it, it's 13. Okay. Oh God. How high? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a big number. Oh, you know what? I'm going to do it. 21. They're going to win by 21 or more. <laughs> I'm going to drop it. I'm going to wow. do it. They're wow. going to win by 21 or more. <laughs> I, Look, I've seen I, them do it before. I've seen them do it before. And I don't, that offense is not that good. If played the Texans D they're going to win by 21 or more. I don't, I don't care how crazy that sounds. I'm gut checking this. I gut checked the Derrick Henry thing and it worked and I need a gainer somewhere. I'm, I'm going to do it. It's I, it sounds crazy. But I think I think that what happened a, the last time the Bengals were two touchdown dogs at home. They won outright. 
they won outright. I, I think that's a terrible hot take. I, well, okay, what are the last what are the last three score lines in the last two years of the of the Bengals and the Ravens? I don't know, but I think that's the worst hot take you've given on this show. I All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I don't know why I'm going with my gut and my gut uh, got me my best. Hot gut. Take. I, I'm a firm believer in going with your gut. And that's the exact same thing I will do with my hot take, but I think your gut is terrible and the Bengals will hang in this game. I'm taking the Ravens, but the Bengals are going to hang around for a while. Listen, yeah, I'm, mean, I'm, I'm you, not going to argue anything besides my gut. I mean, my gut got me the Derrick Henry take. I literally gut checked the Derrick Henry take. So <laughs> right with the gut. That's all. Uh, I mean, I, I just think it's so much better. Hot take is this game is uh, you take seven and a half, but uh, nope, I, I'm not, I'm, making, I'm, I'm not making that hot take. I'm, I'm going to take the Ravens in this game. Obviously uh, you guys know how you guys know how high I am on the Ravens. I think that they they're, they're playing insane football right now. I think honestly, they could be the second best team in the AFC right now behind the Buffalo bills. Uh, yeah. Wait, so, do I have to wait? Okay, it, wait okay. It be, it I was about to go plus. crazy on you, but okay. Wait, mine should be 20 plus, right? 20 yeah. plus. Yeah. Okay. Y- yes. You can get 20. Uh, we'll make sure to, we'll make sure to correct that. Uh, I, so we're all yes. taking the Ravens. So we're all punching the Ravens in. Love yeah. this Ravens team. So we're punching in three, three AFC North teams for the postseason. It's with the same podcast. Just put that on record now. Yeah, Browns I mean, Ravens win. They both all had that preseason, didn't we? I did I not have the Steelers in the playoffs. I didn't have the Browns in the playoffs. I think I might have had all three, and I might. But have I, I did, I did have this. I did have the Ravens winning the Super Bowl, and I'm very, I'm way more confident in that than I was a month ago. I, I would imagine you would be, but they're still not going to win the Super Bowl. We'll obviously debate that more when we get into it, uh, but. I'm going to jump into the next game because we all took the Ravens. Um, so the next game is the 10 and five dolphins at the 12 and three bills. This is another game that I can, I need to break down some playoff implications for. Uh, I'll let Josh talk about the bills one. Cause it's a, it's not that important really, but I'm going yeah, to so focus the on the playoff scenario here is pretty simple. Obviously the bills got their t-shirt and had already clinching the division in Denver and putting a nice carry on top of it by killing the new England Patriots. Just want to shout that out. Cause I've been waiting for that for literally my entire life, but this week we got the bills playing the dolphins. The bills clinched the number two seed with a win. They also clinched the number two seed with a Steelers loss to the Brownies. Big game here for the bills. Also a huge game for Miami. Miami's playoff scenario is they need a win or a Baltimore loss or a Cleveland loss or an Indianapolis loss. So they got a lot of things that can happen to help them out. Looking here at this game though, I think looking at what happened with the Bills last season, they were locked into the fifth spot entering week 17. Josh Allen, I believe, only threw five passes, and they lost to the Jets 13-3 to at home. Then they got off to a hot start in the playoff game against the Texans and obviously were not able to hold on. I think that the Bills are going to look back at that game and say, we weren't rolling into the playoffs. We want to be rolling into the playoffs. They're going to play hard in this game against Miami, I believe. And I think the Bills are going to win this game. I'm going to take the Dolphins because, I, like you said, Josh Allen's not going to play the full game. I think he will play enough of the game for the Bills to win. And I think Matt Barkley's not that bad. I'm going to try to give me a gimme game to get back on Dom here. And I think the Dolphins, with a great coach, uh, coach of the year candidate, Brian Flores, uh, will I don't get 
the best coach in this game. I, I, I said candidate, not winner, because, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I'd, I'm going to take the Dolphins here. Uh, Dom, are you going you to take the Bills, even with the questions at who's playing and how hard? I am going to take the Bills here. I think you can get a pretty solid number here. In minus three, if you can get that. It's a nice little field goal window. I think it's two. Like CBS Sports sucks, then. Uh, but I, I it, th- th- these games are impossible to predict because you just have no idea how the team's personnel is going to unfold. Uh, I, I do know for a fact that the Dolphins' offense is not capable of competing with the Bills at this point, so I will take the Bills. All right, so two for Bills, one for the Dolphins. Uh, that means that so far it means that two of us have the dolphins missing the postseason, um, which is, which is, you know, interesting. I wait, let me double check how that f- shapes out Ravens. Okay. Well, yeah. So I'm assuming you two are going to, we're all going to have the Colts win. Uh, you already have the Ravens and Browns winning. So that would mean two of you think the Colts, uh, the dolphins don't make the postseason. I think they're going to sneak in and shock the Colts, which I, I don't want to happen, but I, I think they're going to, I've, I think they're going to play hard enough to win this game. And it's, it's also mostly because I want to, I want to try and win the picks to be honest with you. So there's that as well. Um, the next game we here we have is the 11 and four Seahawks at the six and nine Niners. Um, this game, I think if the, I think if the I think if the Seahawks win and the saints lose the Seahawks jumps, jump to two. Yeah. Yes. They jumped to number one with a win, a Saints loss, and a Packers loss. Yeah. So they're definitely going to play everyone. Uh, they will be playing everyone. They'll play hard this game. Um, so I think we're all just taking Seattle, right? Because Niners don't have any playoff implications. They'll try to play spoiler, but Seattle, go Hawks. Tom, you're going to take Seattle too? You, Bennett. Yeah. I, I'm going to take the Seahawks in this game. I think they've been playing very solid defensively, and uh, the, the 49ers are kind of week at this point did put up a good fight against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have been very flawed recently. All right. Well, all Seattle, speaking of the Cardinals, it's the next game to talk about. Dom's going to be going last year. This is a huge playoff implication game. Uh, when we look at it, it is uh, one of the biggest games of the week here. Uh, we look at the wild card here. It's uh, this is a wild card game. Basically uh, it's the eight and seven Cardinals at the nine and six Rams. Um, you look here at the, the Rams. If they win, they're in. It's the same for the and or they have an out. They do have an out. If the Bears lose to the Packers, regardless of the Rams' outcome this game, the Rams are in. For the Cardinals, they have to win. Nothing else helps them. They it's win or go home for the Cardinals. Uh, and like we've mentioned earlier, Rams Jared Goff will not be playing this game because of his thumb injury. Uh, and the Cardinals, uh, Kyler Murray is a little bit banged up. There's a full participant at practice. It was just released that two minutes ago. Yeah. Okay. So you fully participated at practice. I'm going to take the Cardinals to win this game. Uh, listen, I, I know the defense is great. Uh, I think the Rams make the postseason because the Bears are going to lose. But uh, I think the Cardinals sneak into the postseason here uh, with because uh, the offense has been looking better as of late. So I'm going to take the cards here. Uh, I think I think the the Niners game was a bit of a trap game. I think they might have been overlooking a bit. So I'm going to take the Cardinals here. Uh, Josh, you're next. I'm also going to take the Cardinals. 
it's really not too complicated for me here. I'm not picking John Wolford to win a winning your in week 17 game. I think it's just pretty simple. You can't pick a kid who's never thrown an NFL pass to essentially win a playoff game. And Dom, before you take your pick, is is Henderson is he good to go or no? I don't. And know. H- Henderson's on IR. Cup. Oh, okay. He's on the COVID list. It, McVay said it's unlikely he's going to play. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, definitely. And cards. then, and then you also have uh, the possibility that uh, uh, what's his name, Woodworth could return, as well as K-Makers. Listen. This is going to sound incredibly biased. I'm going to take the Rams here. I think they're better at every single position than the Cardinals, except for running back, wide receiver one, and quarterback. And I think that if we've seen the flaws with this Cardinals team over the past couple of weeks, and like Josh mentioned, Jared Goff sucks. So the drop-off between him and John Wolford isn't that big. And uh, I think that this defense is going to find enough ways to to help this Rams team win. And I think the Rams are going to get that succeed in the playoffs. I think me and Josh just got gifted a game. Uh, look, Jared Goff is not good, but there's a difference between Jared Goff and a guy who's literally never thrown an NFL pass. All right. We'll so uh, that also means that uh, Dom does not think three NFC West teams will make the postseason. No, I, I said earlier on the Cardinals are a playoff team, but we, we've seen the, the coaching staff is very, very just poor on this team. And the the defense is still not where it needs to be. I think the Rams are going to win this game. All right. So that get, takes care of that game. Uh, next game, moving on. Another playoff implication. It's uh, the 1-14 Jaguars at facing the only team they've beaten, uh, the 10-5 and five Colts. Uh, the Colts, obviously, it's pretty simple for them. Uh, it's it's actually it's not it's not the it's not that simple. So let me take that back. Uh, they need some help. Okay, so they have to win, and they need a Ravens, Dolphins, or Browns loss. Now I'm gonna get this out of the way for all of us. We're obviously all taking the Colts to win this game. They're not gonna lose this game. Uh, it it the differentiating factor here. Yep. I got to interrupt you there. They need a win and a Baltimore, Cleveland, or Miami loss to get in. They also can get a win and a Tennessee loss, which would win them the division and get them a home playoff game. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I forgot. I I had to scroll up because on this website, they have a differentiating between wildcard and South. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, Yes. So they clinched the division with the Titans loss. Uh, The Titans are, we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, So they do have two paths. The wildcard path is difficult. The division win is a little bit difficult too, but um, we're all taking the the Colts to win here. And from uh, for, from my standing, I don't have them getting a wild card spot. Will allude to if I think they'll make the postseason later. And these two have them getting a wild card spot regardless because they both have the Dolphins losing to the Bills. But uh, I'm just we we all taking all taking Colts here. Keep things. Yeah, I'm taking the Colts. I have the Colts getting into the playoffs. Dom, same to you, right? Colts. Yep. Colts, Colts, Colts. All right. Um, oh, shoot. Never mind. What am I thinking? As much as I hate this, I have to flip the coin. You don't have, you, Leo, you don't have no, to. No, do I, Dom, I have Leo, to. Dom, Leo, they're playing the Jaguars, man. Dom, I have to flip. They're the giving coin. 13 points, Leo. You don't Dom, have to flip the coin. I have to flip the coin. <laughs> All right. 
So tails, tails, I get spared of the worst pick on this podcast. You thought my hot take was bad. Oh God, wait. Give me heads. Give me heads. Tails. Oh, you can't see. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, there you tails. go. There you go. I thankfully got tails, so I I will be taking the Colts to uh, win, win this game. The coin did fail. The coin did fail you last week. Yes, it did. It did fail me last week, but it's okay because I don't, I don't think it's going to fail me here. Um, next game is the other flip side of the AFC South talk. It's uh, the 10 and 5 Titans at the 4 and 11 Texans. Not as easy as a game, but I still think it's not a difficult game. Personally, I'm high on the Titans, though. Uh, so Titans win, they're in. Uh, they lose, their, they lose, and the Colts win, they're out. They don't make the postseason. They can't get a wild card spot. Actually, wait. Let me, I so might the be. Titans get in with a win or a Baltimore loss, an Indy loss, or a Miami loss. Yeah, my bad. Okay, so, so sorry. if Dom and I are right about that Bills-Dolphins game, the Titans are in no matter what. And yeah. the Titans could be in before this game even starts since the Bills are playing in the 10 a.m. window and the Titans have a 125 kick. Yep, uh, but I, I assume they're going to run starters out there regardless. Do we? Do we want to say... If in case, no, I think they want to play for no, the running starters out there regardless because they want yeah, to win the division. They want, they want, they want a home field game. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a guarantee. Like they, they won't know. You have to submit your inactives and actives an hour before kickoff. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, they're they're going to put their starters out there. Yeah. They're going to put their starters out there. Not to. So, I'm going to take the Titans to win. I don't think the Texans are heavy in them to play spoiler. I, I I think the Titans are going to run over the Texans defense. I know Deshaun Watson's very good, but the Texans defense has been one of the worst defenses of these last couple of weeks. So they just, Titans. Yeah, but I mean, they just lost to the Burlis Bengals, the Texans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their defense sucks. So I'm going to take the Titans to win this and clinch the division, which also means I have the Colts missing the postseason, which I, I am mainly doing to catch up on Dom, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm taking the Titans to win here. You two are, t- are you, either you trying to, uh, I'm actually going to put my spoiler? hot take on this game. I told you guys that I'm going to go with my gut on my hot take. And that's exactly what I'm going to do here. This Tennessee Titans team is just not all that good. I think their defense is atrocious. And I think what JJ Watts said after the game against the Bengals is really going to light a fire in that locker room and they're going to play hard for him. Deshaun Watson's going to have a nice day against a terrible defense. And I think the Houston Texans play spoiler to the Tennessee Titans to win the division. The Titans are still going to get into the playoffs because Miami's going to lose, but I'm taking Houston to win this game outright. There you go. All right. So there's Josh's hot take. I'm not got to respect the gut calls that I just did. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, my gut is telling me Houston, and I'm listening. There's not much else to it. All right. Same with my take, even though it's a little more crazy. All right, Dom, you're taking Titans, though, correct? I am. I think the seven and a half is one of the easiest sprints this week. I think, I think this is one of the few games where you like know what these two teams are going to bring to the table. Titan, the Texans play pretty close games. I've been pretty good with their spreads as of late, You know, minus that Texans-Bears game that was really weird. I'm going to take the, the Titans in this one, though. All right, so Dom is the Titans AFC South, crowning them AFC South winner, uh, spoiling his preseason take, unfortunately. Uh, but there's Dom's pick. We'll move to the next game here to keep things rolling. 
Uh, this game's completely meaningless. We can run right through this. Uh, it's the seven and eight Raiders at the five and ten Broncos. Neither of these teams can make the post. Actually, no, no, no. The Raiders have no chance anymore. Okay, yeah. So the Raiders. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders to win. Oh, I don't know. Actually, shoot. Give me a minute. I <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Josh, I'm going to go to you first here because I need to think. This is interesting. What do you do? You have a no, better. I'm going to go to you first. Oh, <laughs> all right. Thanks, Thanks guys. The weird one. You don't know either. You're going to wait for my pick. You guys are both going to pick the Broncos in this game because I'm going to take the Raiders here. Um, I I just can't put enough trust in Drew Locke. I mean, he sucked against this defense last time. We know their defense is awful. He's been uh, better of late, but I'm going to take the Raiders here. I, I yeah. hate this dude. You know uh, the rule, Dom. Raiders if your well. team, you know you're the rule, Dom. If your team loses to a winless team, you have to go first. That's not a rule, you asshole. <laughs> we're, we're adding it now. We're adding it. It's added. It's amended. Yeah, this is a terrible game. I'm not going to watch a single play of it probably unless like NFL posts a cool highlight on their Instagram or something like that. I'm not going to watch, watch Red Zone. I'll be on. I don't care at all about this game because neither team can make the playoffs, but I think the Raiders are going to win because they're the better football team, and I like Derek Carr. I'm taking the Raiders as well. You also love Drew Locke. I also do love Drew Locke, but I think that Derek Carr is better than Drew Locke, and this isn't too hard for me. All right. The Raiders. This game does include a playoff. This next game does include a playoff team, but doesn't nothing changes from the outcome of this game. Uh, Six and nine Chargers at the 14 and one Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes will not play this game. Uh, Who's their backup right now? Matt Henney. Chad Henney. Chad Henney. Okay. Uh, Are any of us daring to take the Chiefs regardless of Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I'm actually going to take Chad Henney. I've always kind of liked the kid. I think he's been around for a while. He knows how to play. The Chargers are not that great. I think it would be cool to see Chad Henney win a game. I'm going to pick Chad Henney. I've always liked him. He played well. Where was it? It was Jacksonville where he was good for a while. I like Henney. I think he can get it done here. All right, Dom. Uh, I hate doing this. I'm going to take the Chargers to win this game. I think Herbert and company is playing better football than the Chiefs right now. And then you also put the fact that Herbert's going to be going up against Chad Henney. I'm going to take the Chargers here. I'm also going to take the Bolts. Justin Herbert should should win them this football game. We'll see if Anthony Lynn finds a way to lose them another divisional football game. But yeah. they just beat the Broncos this past week, and I got that yeah. one right. Yeah, they shattered their 0-9 like, they were like before the Raiders game, they were like 0 and 9 in the past couple seasons against uh like yeah, they, they've won two straight divisional games with their yeah. win over the Broncos this past week. Yeah, so I'll take which them they away. tried to blow. They did. They definitely did. All right, moving on to the next game. This does have playoff implications again. Um, so it's 12 and 3 Packers at the 8 and 7 Bears. This is simple. Okay. The Packers win, they confirm the number one seed spot. They playoffs, NFC goes through Lambeau. They lose. They need the Saints and the Seahawks to lose. Uh, and if either one of them wins, uh, I believe. No, I, if the if the Seahawks if lose and the Saints win, then the Packers will get it. Because yeah, yeah. at that point, it would just be those two up against each other, which would make the head-to-head the tiebreaker, which the Packers have. Thank you, Dom. And the, but they'll still play because they need – they if they lose, the Seattle Seahawks win, which we all have them winning, uh, they would take the number one spot. And the playoffs in the NFC side would go through – Seattle. So they're going to be trying out their starters on the flip side, the bears eight and seven. It's simple for them. Uh, from a, from half a standpoint, it's simple. They need to, if they win, 
Uh, they are in the postseasons. Uh, if the Cardinals lose and the Bears lose, the Bears make it uh, into the yeah. postseason. So if the, if, John Wolford this week. Yeah. So, well, no, they don't have to. If the Bears win, they're in. If the Cardinals lose, they're in. If, both, if the Bears win and the Cardinals lose, the Bears are, I believe, the sixth seed. No, if the Bears win and the Cardinals lose, they're still the seventh seed. Wait, no, sorry. If the Bear, if the Bears win and the Cardinals win, then they're the then they're the sixth seed. Sorry, because then at that point the head-to-head tiebreaker with the Rams and the Bears is thrown out the window. Well, the Rams would be out of the playoffs in that scenario. Yeah, they're... right. That's because the head-to-head scenario yes. is thrown out, which is dumb considering the fact that the Bears would have beat. I mean, the Rams would have beat the Bears and went one and one against the Cardinals. And would miss the playoffs in a three-way tiebreaker with them. But that's a whole nother discussion. The Rams lost to the Jets in case he didn't know. So <laughs> we brainwashed him into saying one of our jokes, Josh. This is how far it's gone. He just honestly good on us. I'm proud of us, Leo. I'm proud of us. I'm very proud of us for that. <laughs> all right. Uh, but we're uh, we're all gonna take the Packers here, correct? Because they're trotting Aaron Rodgers out. Or is one of you crazy enough to take the Bears in in uh Josh is smiling. Josh, you could pick the Bears. I, I've really thought about it. I don't think I'm going to, but I'm really, really hoping they win this game. It would just be cool to see Mitch get it done. And I got to ask, if Mitch Trubisky wins this game, does he get a contract? Even if he I, doesn't, I think he does. Yeah, I think he does. does. Does he deserve it? No. No. But I mean, you look at the teams he's played against. They've been garbage. I, I think if he's able to win this game, you give him – I think they're going to bring him back anyways, and we'll draft a quarterback in like the third round. Yeah, you, really you know good. what I you know what I wish should happen. I wish the Packers didn't have to play for anything, so we could see Jordan Love for the first time. I agree. I think Which, we we could, but we could. well, unfortunately, the Rams uh, do not beat the Seahawks. Yeah, thanks, Dom. It's your fault. Thanks, Dom. <laughs> I didn't play. <laughs> all right, but we're all taking. Don, me and you are taking the Packers, right? Okay, Josh, you're taking the Packers too. We're all taking the pack here. Okay. I will be rooting for the Bears, but we're all taking the pack here. All right. I, Next- I'm not rooting for the Bears. I am so not. Yeah. Although it, it would make Wild Card Weekend a little more relaxing if I don't have to sit out the Rams Rams game, <laughs> and also yeah. have to configure my travel schedules to fit that around the game. So we'll yep. see. All right. Anyways, next game here, another post postseason potential game here. Uh, 11 and four saints at the five and 10 Panthers. Obviously the saints won SC South They're in, but like we mentioned, if uh, they have to play for the two seed, so they need a win. Uh, they need to win for the two seed. Uh, they win in a Packers loss and a Seahawks win. They get, I believe they get home field advantage as well, which is crazy. Yeah, this is what this says. Okay. So a win and a Packers loss and a Seattle win gets them the home field advantage. Yeah, because they have the best, they have the best divisional record at that point. Because yep. they they'd be six and all three of those teams to tie at 12 and four. Yep. Or even uh, if the Seahawks yeah, because then if the Seahawks lose in that scenario, I mean, who gets the two seed? Uh the Seattle, because they have the wait. I don't yeah. know. Seattle, no, Seattle gets a two seed. There's a, what, what's the scenario, Josh? You want a New Orleans win? Finish 12 and four. 
We need a New Orleans win, a Packers loss, and a Seattle the win. Packers would actually have the three seed in that scenario. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And they would have to go and face the, the Bucks. Wait, no, the Rams. Oh, I would love that. Well, no, because I have the Rams winning. So uh, that would be interesting. That'd be very interesting. But uh, anyways, we're all taking the Saints, correct? Yes, we're all taking the Saints. So the yeah. Saints have a potential to play for. They could get one through three, depending on yes. how this weekend goes. But I think all three of these teams could be one through three. Yeah, but I think we're all going to slot Saints in at two. I assume because if yes. they both if they both win, the Saints would get two. Yeah, we, we all we all have all three of these teams winning, which would yep. be Green Bay, New Orleans, and then Seattle. Yep. All right, so we're all taking Saints. Final game. Uh, I just want to quickly. This is the final game of the season, and I think it's stupid. Uh, but it should be. It should be Rams Cardinals. It should. No, be. it should be this game. Absolutely. I, no, I think this it is disgusting. I need to be the NFC East. I no. I, I cannot believe it. Should it. Be, it should be Rams Cardinals. This is the T-shirt and hat game. The, that that game's also a T-shirt and hat game. It's not a T-shirt what? and hat game. It's it's not for the division. Yeah, I get. Okay, I get, fine, but I, I get why they did it. I just hate it from the Eagles team standpoint. I like uh, it. This is what they were supposed to do. So no, it's because because the Eagles have nothing to play for. This game should be between two. I do. This game should be between two teams who both have playoff stakes on the line. No, this game should be the team that has a win and you win the division scenario. If you lose, <laughs> another team gets it. I get both no. sides. I get both sides. Let me quickly no. get it out here. It's the six and nine football team. At the four ten and one Eagles, Eagles completely out after losing last week to Dallas. Football team, you win, you win the division, you lose, you're not making the postseason. Simple as that. And you open the door for the game we talked about earlier, which is Cowboys and uh, Cowboys or Giants are your NFC least team winner. Uh, well, but, uh, uh, what what happens if uh, so? Let's say Dallas and New York tie. Then oh, Dallas. Okay would be in with a football team loss. Yeah, no. Yes. Because yes. yes. they would Oh, yes. Yes, because they both have one. six wins. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so there's also that scenario. Which is crazy, but, you know. Well, so if Washington... Okay, all right. So if Dallas gets the ball with two minutes left, they're going to try to tie the game. In overtime, I mean. In overtime. If they get the ball with two minutes left in overtime, they're taking three knees. Yeah, because they well, just can't lose to the Giants. Correct. All Dallas has to do is not lose to the Giants. That's all they can control. Okay. Yeah. But the Giants have to be Dallas. Yeah. All right, now for this game, I'll take it from the Eagles' standpoint. Uh, Jalen Hurts is starting. They're going to play all their starters. They want to play spoiler. Uh, football team, Alex Smith uh, did not practice. He did individual drills, which isn't a good sign for him. Uh, and that hamstring injury that he's been dealing with. Dwayne Haskins is is cut, <laughs> so he won't be playing. Uh, they cut him, uh, which is hilarious, by the way. Um, I this is I I this is going to be my spoiler game. I think Jalen Hurts and and the Eagles win this football game somehow. I no wait no no I don't. Never mind. The football team win this game. Sorry, sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I almost let the bias take over me. I'm taking the football team no matter who plays quarterback because our defense is literally no one. Which is funny because the Eagles' defense a couple of weeks ago was looking really good. Yeah, but that's before we lost like Rodney McLeod to IR yeah. and like all oh, these yeah. guys. Yeah. So I'm going to take Absolutely. the football team. If we had a competent defense, I would take the Eagles. But the football team's defense is is good enough, and I think Alex Smith is probably going to force his way to play this game as well. The, the football team have a top five defense in the NFL. 
let's make that clear. This is going to be the. This is going to be along with the game last week, the game, the wake up game for everyone who jumped off the Carson Wentz ship, because Jalen Hurts is going to get torn to bits probably. That's my opinion, unfortunately. But uh, so I'm going to take a football team. Anyone else locking them in for the postseason here? I will also take them. I'll take the football team. I think this is going to be a fantastic game in just the wrong ways. I think it's going to be ugly. I mean, I think the Rams Cardinals game probably would be too, but both those teams would have something to play for in that sense. So I'm, I'm going to take the football team. Here. Josh, I'm taking the Eagles. This All right. East. This is just ridiculous, stupid football. And the worst team is going to win because it's the NFC East. That's my entire logic. And it's probably flawed, but I'm a lot of your logic. A lot of your logic on this podcast is flawed. I know, but this one is just, you know what? My gut is telling me Eagles, and I'm going to take the Eagles. I would love for the Eagles to ruin Washington's day because um, I also think the Giants are going to win. And I, out of all the teams here, I would be least mad with the Giants making the postseason. Because uh, so, yeah, uh, I'd love to win this game, but I'm just I, I I'm going to fault to reason and what I watched last week. Uh, so. I'm going to take the football team. So that does it for the picks. Uh, we're going to quickly, before we wrap up the longest podcast we've ever had, we're going to quickly lay out our postseason scenarios. Like this is how it shapes up because with these picks, we get our postseason. So I'm going to go first. First off, I, first off, this is not the longest podcast we've ever had. I want to really, is it not? I thought it was pushing two. I thought we're over two hours. We started. We're right around two. We have one to like two hours, 15 minutes. Okay. All right. Well, never mind that. One of the longest. Thanks for the correction, Dom. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, um, so we're going to, I'm going to lay out mine first. Cause I know mine differs from these two. I think these two might have the same one or no, you don't, but I'm going to go first. Cause I know for a fact, mine's different. So here's how mine works out. AFC side chiefs are your number one seed. They get the buy. I have the Buffalo bills at two, uh, because I have the Steelers losing the Browns. And even though I think the bills lose, if they both lose bills have the tiebreaker. So the Bills are the two, and I have the Browns as the seventh seed because they beat the Mason Rudolph Steelers. So it's Bills-Browns uh, first round of the playoffs, which is great because it's the battle of the quarterbacks from that draft, uh, which is awesome. Baker versus Josh. Um, That'd be fun. That, which will be fun. And then moving on, Steelers are my three on the AFC side. Uh, they'll be playing the Ravens, who are red hot. I have the hot take with, who get the sixth seed because they have the tiebreaker over the Browns. Uh, with the same record, they get the sixth seed. Uh, so they play the Steelers. So it's, it's a divisional game for the third seed, for sixth seed Steelers, Ravens. And then finally, the five, the four I have is the Titans who win the division, AFC South. They make the postseason. And I have my Dolphins who I have beating the Bills in a close game to make the postseason. They have to go play the Titans, which I think will be a very interesting game as well. So I have a lot of interesting games the way my postseason shapes on the AFC side. Josh, I'm going to let you go next to your AFC side. How does yours shape up? Yeah, so mine's a little different, mostly because of my Houston pick. I do have Kansas City number one. I got Buffalo at number two, who is going to be the host of the Tennessee Titans in the wild card round, a little rematch of the week five matchup where the Titans absolutely destroyed the Bills. But this is a different Bills team than it was back in week five, and I think the Bills will beat the Titans. I think that's a very, very favorable matchup for the Bills. And it's a, and it's a different Titans team. And it's a very different Titans team as well. I think Josh Allen could throw for four or 500 yards on that defense. And 
that might be pushing it a little bit. He could get four, but three, I got Pittsburgh. They're going to play host to Cleveland in the wild card round. That would be a fantastic game, a rematch of what's going to be happening this week in week 17. Of course, it's going to be without Ben Roethlisberger, but that would be a fun game. I'll probably take Cleveland in that one if it happens. And then I have the Indianapolis Colts winning the AFC South. They're going to get the four spot and they are going to host the fifth seeded Baltimore Ravens in what is probably going to be the best game of the wild card round. All right. So that's it. Uh, try to leave out the predictions because we'll obviously those next week, um, but you can throw them out for these scenarios. Just keep uh, I'm just throwing away. instant thought that I get for three seconds. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And then Dom, your AFC, is it the same as Josh's or does it shake out a little different? No, it's a little different. Uh, okay. So, I mean, we all have the Chiefs as the one seed because that's been locked up. At the two spot, I have the Buffalo Bills, which we all have. And then I also have the Pittsburgh Steelers at that three spot. Uh, we all have different records for those, though. Besides Josh and I, we have the same one. Four seed, I have the Titans. I do think they're going to hold on. They will beat the Houston Texans. It will be a great game, though. Five seed, I have the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is a scary team. I think they'll kill Tennessee. Six seed, I have the Cleveland Browns. I would love to see a rematch of these teams at full strength after they weren't at full strength in Week 17 with the with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, and then after the Pittsburgh Steelers just killed them the first time around. And I have the Indianapolis Colts as the seven seed going up against the Bills, and what I think is a great test for the Buffalo Bills because I think that that is a great game to get ready for both possibly the Steelers and the Browns and then before the Chiefs. All right. So the supposed to podcast has a NFC, an AFC North battle in the postseason, regardless. Uh, FYI, just laying that out there. And then Josh, you don't have the Colts making the postseason. I didn't realize that. No, I had the Colts winning the division. Oh, my bad. Yeah. What am I saying? Okay. never mind. I we have both my- have Miami. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Which I, 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 I don't think is a bad thing for them because they're, they're well ahead of where they should be. They have two first-round draft picks this upcoming year, including potentially a top-three pick if the Texans lose and everything falls in the right way. I mean, this team's they, they're they've had a perfect rebuild. Yep. All yep. right, moving on. Every team wants to make the playoffs that has a chance at it, but I think of all of these teams in the AFC, if any of these teams in the mix can afford to miss it, it's Miami. The Colts certainly can't. No. All right. Um, Moving on to the NFC side, I'll go off of the, I have, because this isn't a lock, I have the Packers claiming their one seed with their win. And then moving on, I got the Saints as my two uh, with their win. Seattle, three with their win. I have the football team claiming the last divisional spot at four. They will host my five seed, which is the Bucks, who will lock in the fifth seed with their win. Uh, and so they'll go out to Washington, which is such a weird game. Uh, but they'll play the football team. And then the Cardinals are going to get my sixth seed because they are going to win against the Rams without Goff and without uh, maybe without any running game. Uh, and they'll face against the Seahawks for the third time this year. Hopefully we get a third great Cardinal Seahawks game. And then finally, I have the Rams sneaking into the postseason uh, to face the Saints for in the Superdome again. Uh, which is another great, interesting rematch game. And they'll sneak in because the Bears will not beat the Packers. So that's my NFC side. Josh, what's your NFC side look like? 
Yeah, so my NFC side was identical to yours, Leo. The only okay. difference was that number four spot where I do have the New York Giants taking over the NFC East and winning the division at 6-10. and 10. It's going to be a three-way tie at 6-10, and 10, and the Giants are going to win the tiebreaker. But instant reaction to some of these wildcard matchups, Saints-Rams, it's going to be a nice little game there. I do think that the Saints defense is going to destroy that game. Uh, let's look Seattle, Arizona. I like Seattle there. And then giants and bucks, I think is actually quite the interesting matchup. We look at that Monday night football game between the two of them earlier in the year where the bucks only won by two points and the giants weren't as good back then as they are right now. And I would not be surprised to see the bucks struggle with the giants in the playoffs. All right. So that's Josh's NFC lookout and, uh, Dom, so we all have the same top three, Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle. I'm going to side with Leo here. I have Washington winning the division and getting that four seed. We all have uh, the NFC's team hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm the only one that believes in John Wolford because I've read everything about him. I, I like I like the tape I saw from him on the Arizona Hotshots and from Lake Forest. And I think the Rams will end up with six seed at 10 and six because of Little banged up Kyler Murray, we've seen is not effective at all. He needs to be able to run. I think the Rams defense is going to limit him. And the seventh seed is going to be the Bears because I think both the Bears and the Cardinals lose. All right. So that shapes up our postseason. I'm going to do this quickly on the fly. They're not ready for this. You do we want to change Super Bowl winners? I'm sticking with the Chiefs. You too. Do we want to change Super Bowl winners before week 17? Give me the Bills. I love them. I love the Bills. Bills to the Super Bowl. Okay. Dom has Bills to the Super Bowl. Josh? Yeah, I think this team can do it. I'm All right. Team of destiny here. Okay. I, they are the team of destiny. I just, I, I just think that this team is special. I've never seen a city rally around a team like this. And I think the bills are going to win the Super Bowl. Wow. All right. Emphatic. I'm going to stick with the chiefs though. Uh, I'm just, I picked them in the beginning of the season. I want to see if I can ride through it. And uh, I think they're a well enough coach team that I know how they've been playing recently, but they know all about postseason football and they should kick it into another gear. So I'll take the chiefs, but yeah, so that does it for, Episode 17 of the Split the Scene podcast, the final regular season NFL podcast. It's been a great year, fun year on the pod. We'll be back to you next week talking all postseason NFL. Oh, wait, I forgot about final thoughts. Never mind, what am I talking about? All right, uh, it's been a long podcast. Josh, final thoughts, go ahead. Quick final thought. Thank you, New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo allowing 6,700 Buffalo Bills fans into the stands for the wild card game. Going to be quite the environment, 6,700 fans at Bills Stadium. Obviously, it's not the full capacity that we like to see. Obviously, we're not going to get the tailgating that we love to see with Bills Mafia, but we're getting some fans in the stands. The team's going to rally behind that. It's going to be fun to get some of Buffalo back into the stands, and it's just going to be really, really heartwarming to see, and I'm really looking forward to it, guys. Beautiful. Dom, final thoughts? Final thoughts. The Padres are the second best team in baseball. I love to see it. 
Uh, I I can't speak matters into how excited I am for the 2021 baseball season because I think the Potters have a very good chance to be special. Now, is the special going to be good enough to be as good as the Dodgers? We'll have to wait and find out, but I know for a fact this Potters team is going to be awesome to watch. Awesome. All right. And uh, for my final thoughts, guys, stay glued to your TVs on Sunday. You get all the games in one day. You need to be watching all football. And uh, I just wanted to thank you, anyone who stayed this long in this episode and this long with us all season. This is this was a fun little idea back in August or, or September. And now we're finally here uh, through an entire, what feels like an entire season, more so split the same podcast almost. Uh, and I thank you all for listening and thinking what we say is somewhat fun to listen to or accurate when we really don't know anything in reality. Uh, but uh, make sure to tweet. I want to, we're going to tweet out the podcast, obviously, like we do retweet the podcast with your postseason uh, seating. Cause I'd love to see what any of you guys are thinking, but yeah, that does it for episode 17 of the podcast. We'll see you guys next week for postseason NFL. Thanks for listening.